Hi, folks. Mike Prada here with the Limited Upside Podcast and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We got a little special treat for you on this. We did a live show last night concurrent to the NBA draft, and we're presenting it all in its entirety, audio, the full two hours on this episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. There are some goofs in this that are based on having pictures that you can't see. I totally understand. But for the most part, this all holds up. If you're curious to hear how all the SB Nation voices responded to the Jimmy Butler trade, to all the other shenanigans that happened, Ricky O'Donnell was kind of upset. Stay tuned to this. Uh, You should also listen to our post-draft podcast last night with Ricky, Tyler Tynes, Christian Winfield, Whitney Medworth, and Tim Cato. That's the episode before this. Before you do any of that, though, we really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify, giving us a nice review or a mean review just so we know what we need to fix. If you notice the theme song that everybody seems to like, we got we took that in because of bad reviews of our previous theme song. So give us all of that. Uh, you can always send us questions for future episodes at limited underscore upside on Twitter. You'll get Ben back next week. He's away. But until then, enjoy our recent podcast. Enjoy this replay of the SB Nation NBA Draft live show from Thursday night. Good. Evening, NBA draft fans, alongside Mike Prada, Ricky O'Donnell, Elena Bergeron. We have, God, 15 minutes until the <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers are on the clock to resume the process. <laughs> alongside these beautiful people, my name is Dan Rubenstein. We have a wonderful show for you in store tonight. And we don't have a sponsor tonight, so I can promise you this. Our very own Ricky O'Donnell has promised to be more vulgar than he has ever been on camera. Look at him. He's excited. He's really excited. It's happening. Um, And you should also know we have all sorts of fun segments. We're going to be here throughout the lottery. So just the lottery portion of the first round of the NBA draft. We are going to be here. We have an array of SB Nation NBA weirdos rolling through. So we're going to be switching things up. But in addition to that... We have Matt Ufford welcoming new draftees to their new cities. We have a game show with Guy Fieri versus boy band member. It's like a photo close-up versus NBA draft picks on draft night. As one does. You know, it's uncomfortable close-ups. <laughs> um, we've got, we're going to have a Dre map on here, so we're going to figure out how geographically close teams are to either becoming the Warriors, the modern NBA team of excellence, or beating the Warriors. It's not going to be close. Is that an Andre or a Draymond map? It is, it is a Dre map of Draymond Green because he has the most animated and wonderful face. Perfect. So there there it is. Um, We have, okay, so we've got the close-up game. We've got seven feet of pizza, a competition. I don't know if we can get a look in at this, but seven feet of pizza. There There it is. Two teams trying to eat a Lori Markinen's worth of pizza, the (laughs) seven-foot combo four-five. Wait, what are they going to do to it? What are they trying to do? They're They're trying to to finish. Thank you, Kratos. Markkinen is from Finland. Oh, so I, there's the I joke. I thought we were doing finish around the basket. No, it's, whoop, no. Whoop. it's even, even it. farther above your head. <laughs> Do you head. think I was just going to settle for that basic of a pun? I should have known that no, you were higher than that. It's Thanks draft night. Um, so they're going to be trying to do that. We have an exclusive with Lamar Ball. Not Lavar Ball. Lamar Ball. 
a Ball sibling, a Ball relative who claims the success of Lonzo Ball and the Ball brothers. So mm -hmm. an exclusive sit down with Lamar Ball. The we biggest of big ballers. The biggest, the biggest <laughs> baller yet. Um, so we've got the physical challenge. We've got the new cities. We've got the Dre map. We've got, and this one I'm particularly excited for. Let's take a look at Tyler the Grouch. Tyler the Grouch is our very own <laughs> Tyler Tynes, who will find something just, it'll be very easy for him to find something wrong with most of these draft picks. I hate y'all. He hates everything, and he is willing to tell you why. He's from Philly, TLDR. The king so, of the <laughs> So he's doing us all a service, and so there's that. Um, so with that, we've got a very weird, exciting draft that can go in a number of directions, so I will start with you, Prada, Mike Prada, NBA editor, mm -hmm. SB Nation. What is the plausibly hugest thing that could happen overarching in this draft? Paul George getting traded. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. The Pacers should have seen this coming. You know, Paul George in February didn't want to stay there. He made it abundantly clear he doesn't want to stay there. That team's going nowhere. Mm -hmm. It stinks that they have no leverage. But, man, you got to rip the Band-Aid off. You can't have Paul George coming into the season. What's the destination that seems the most likely? Well, he's going to the Lakers probably. Eventually. Uh, you know, I would think eventually. But if I'm the Lakers, I I don't want to chance this thing. Like, I, I know his market isn't that high. I wouldn't trade the number two pick or anything. I just get him in here now. You know, don't let some team like Cleveland or Houston or somewhere else swoop in, sweet-talk him for a year and let him stay because I don't know if Paul George, when he has a full year in a title run, is going to want to suddenly go to the Lakers. I think right. you want to get him in there, and I think the culture is better. And, you know, I wouldn't – it's too bad that D'Angelo Russell's already traded. That would be a good player for the Pacers to have. But the Pacers must see the writing on the wall. Right. I think they've got to just kind of rip the Band-Aid off. And maximize – value when it exists all over the market. Uh, speaking of point guards and the Lakers specifically, Lonzo Ball headlines possibly the deepest recent modern point guard class we've seen on NBA draft night. How does this class compare and what is what is the true beauty of this uh, this point guard class? I mean, looking forward, there's five, six, seven, what could be really good point guards in this draft, Ricky? Yeah, I think the point guards is sort of what sets this draft apart from the last couple of years. You looked at last year, Chris Dunn was the only point guard drafted in the lottery. He spent four years playing college basketball. This year, you just have the one-and-done studs that everyone wants as a building block in the NBA. I think you start at the top of the draft with Markel Fultz, who's going to be the number one pick. Lonzo Ball to the Lakers, that's just destiny. LeVar spoke it into existence. <laughs> we'll all benefit from seeing it come through. And then you can go on to someone like Dennis Smith, who is an NC State point guard. He's a top five talent, pure talent, who could fall as far as number eight, number nine. Uh, Frank Nilakina is another interesting player. Well done with the last name. You nailed it. He nailed it. How many times did you practice that before you uh, did About it? 17. Yeah. 17. It shows. Smart. Right. Prime time. So there's just a lot of really interesting point guard talent in this draft. And I think right. that, you know, if you're looking for a lead guard, this is the year to be in the top 10 because there's a lot of really interesting talent. And we're coming off a year where Malcolm Brogdon ended up running the point a little bit too. A lot of people surprised had the success early on that he did. And so even after that initial group, even after Frank Nilakina, even after if Malik Monk ends up running the point for who whoever he plays with a little bit. There are, there are guys there that can be serious contributors on good teams in like 17, 25, 33. Here's the thing, though. Who needs a point guard? That's at true. This stage? Yeah. This, it's easier than ever to put up numbers as a point guard. And so I'm also... Not enough jobs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm also fascinated by what the trade market looks like. You're hearing about Eric Bledsoe possibly being mm -hmm. on the move. Ricky Rubio possibly being on the move. If you're one of these teams, okay, you draft a point guard, but and it also ties into the free agent market because there's so many free agent point guards. Mm -hmm. At what point, like, does it matter to have the 15th best point guard in the league? And 
can these other point guards in this draft that are really good jump into that range? Right. I don't know. And more than ever, the term point guard is sort of becoming irrelevant as more and more combo guards start mm-hmm. popping up. But uh, at the top of the draft, the number three pick, Elena, seems to be the most up in the air in terms of yep. the biggest picks early on just because the Celtics trade down. Jason Tatum seems to be the popular choice right now. That's the smoke right now. But also Josh Jackson has been much coveted by all these teams in the top yep. four, five, six, seven spots. So is there a player right around that that zone that intrigues you? No, not more than Josh Jackson. To okay. me, like he's one of my favorite raw talents in this draft just because of all the things that he's capable of. And I feel like there's more discussion about him falling because people have focused their attention on what he can't do. And everybody is aware that he's not the greatest shooter. I think he finished the season shooting like 37% from three and is not a great It's not that bad. It's not that bad, but also when you think about what's going on in the modern NBA, his ability to switch screens right. and his like propensity to want to play defense. Yes, the energy is, it, is there. It's there, and it's something that he prides himself on, and he has the link to do it. Right. And I think like when you can make the comparison, and a lot of people do, to Andrew Wiggins, but you see the difference when you want to play defense versus when you kind of don't really feel like it. No, it's an effort play. Absolutely right. is. Shooting is teachable. Defense, eh, you can't really teach that sort of thing. The other thing is his his ability to pass the ball and to either keep the ball and finish in the paint or to set somebody up. He's got eyes in the back of his head. Right. So when you think about the fact that he can play point forward while he develops his shooting skill and how that is immediately translatable in the NBA versus some other people, especially within the point guard group that are more raw talents and people that, like Ricky mentioned, a lot of these kids are one and done. So. Mm-hmm. The tape is sort of out on what they're able to do. There aren't Chris Dunn's where you had four years of college to see, okay, well, this is probably your ceiling, this is your floor. We're going a lot on raw talent in terms of what point guards are able to do. I think particularly in Boston where you have a point guard who's basically my height, I love you, IT. Like, <laughs> Aren't you taller? That, no, we're probably about what, what. I don't want to get in that debate with him. Um, okay, Elena's listed at 5'10". Yep. Let's mm-hmm. be clear. I, I play taller. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's fine. But when you, when you think about what it would give a team like that to have a point forward with some size um, to be able to initiate offense in different ways. I think that, like, to me, it's a no-brainer that the Celtics right. should take him. Danny Ainge does not always do the no-brainer thing That's in true. the draft. Preta's shaking his Speaking head. Of, I should. I mean, the Cel- first of all, how would Josh Jackson fit in with what the Celtics are trying to do now? And, and big picture, what what is so... It, it's just so interesting that the Celtics are both rebuilding yeah. and contending. <laughs> also, by the way, they traded the number one pick. Right, we exactly. We cannot take that for Which granted. Which doesn't happen. Right. Nobody no. does that. Mm-hmm. Right. And everybody else loves Markel Fultz, and he's the guy. And Danny Angel's the one player. Guy was like, eh, mm-hmm. not so much. Even if you wanted to make that trade as a GM, how many GMs would have the balls to do it? Right. Uh, has Josh Jackson fit? I don't know. It kind of sounds like Jalen Brown to me. Right. Yeah. Mm. I feel like they're more leaning in towards Tatum. Yeah. Right. But I think they also would love to trade the pick. Mm. And this is sort of the thing that is, as a Celtics fan, you kind of have to ask yourself, at what point do you stop trading one bird in a hand for mm-hmm. two birds in the bush? Right. You know, at what point do you finally do something with this stuff? Mm. And I don't know if they should trade it for Jimmy Butler or Paul George right now. Mm. You know, they could get a Gordon Hayward in free agency. I don't really know that, but... Why you're taking away a sure thing in Fultz. Isaiah is great, but Isaiah is also a free agent after 2018. And 10 years older, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to do? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something totally unexpected and they pick neither of those guys. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
Ricky, it, we talked about Jason Tatum just in terms of the, the Celtics maybe leaning in that direction. What separates Tatum's game from Josh Jackson's game if Boston ends up going with Tatum 3 and keeping Tatum on that roster? Yeah, I think in a vacuum, I personally prefer Josh Jackson to Jason Tatum because he affects the game in more areas. Josh Jackson's a better athlete. He's a better defensive player. He's certainly the better passer. But Tatum does have sort of like classic go-to scoring ability. Right. I wonder if maybe he's a little bit of a ball stopper, which is totally red herring in today's. But NBA. not the worst yeah. place to go in terms of getting involved in the team so game in Boston with that's Brad what I was Stevens. Say, yeah, though, like I do like the fit of Tatum to Boston because Brad Stevens always gets his teams to share yeah. the basketball. I think he complements Jalen Brown's skill set really well too. You look at Brown as the more athletic player, the better defensive prospect, whereas mm-hmm. Tatum's sort of just a pure scorer. So as long as Tatum's shooting range can extend out a little bit. I like Boston having two big six seven six eight wings. Uh, that's sort of the ideal in the NBA right now, mm-hmm. who complement each other's games well. Who, what are the chances that Tatum is better than Markel Fultz or Jackson is better than Markel Fultz? Uh, I put it very low because I personally think Markel Fultz is the best guard prospect to hit the draft mm-hmm. since I'm going to say John Wall in 2010. Wow! Was wow. Of Kyrie. I was going to say above Obviously Kyrie. Yeah, that's right. So. That's right. <laughs> okay. and, you, and you can make an argument for Fultz over Wall. I think just because no, you he can't. Has no, you can't. Such <laughs> ability to shoot with range off the dribble, which is right. something that John Wall doesn't really have. John Wall, obviously a great player, though, but I'm totally all in on faults. I think faults right. is a stud. It so. sounds like it. It does sound like it. Before we continue, we've sort of bookended the number two pick, which I think we all still assume will be Lonzo Ball, and we here at SB Nation have an exclusive, exclusive sit-down with Lamar Ball, the man who has, I don't know if it's rightful, but he has taken credit for the Ball family's success. Take a Big look. Big Waller Brian. Good evening and welcome to a special episode of SB Nation Investigates. I'm your host, Richard Johnson. It's NBA draft season and Lonzo Ball and the Ball family are front and center. His father, LeVar, has been outspoken on every medium. But tonight, we have an exclusive one-on-one interview from another member of the Ball family. We'd like to introduce to you, for the first time on network television, LeVar's brother, Lamar. Lamar, thank you so much. What's going on, Richard? Thank you. How you doing, uh, baby? Thank you so much for, for oh, joining no us tonight no uh, here on SB Nation Investigates. Glad to be here. Why have you waited so long to do an interview? I think the real question is, why did my brother LeVar hide me from the public and hide me from those boys? I'm just here to tell the facts. I'm the bigger baller. I started this, and now he wants to take credit for it. You're wearing bigger baller brand on this shirt? Uh, what is Bigger Baller Brand? Well, the original idea was Bigger Baller Brand. And see, I've been preaching that for my whole life. Ask Lonzo, ask Melo, ask Jello. And LeVar tried to run off with my sauce. He tried to take my idea and just drop the G-E-R. He thought he was a smart one, didn't he? L- l- let me put you on some game. Okay. When me and LeVar was growing up, I wanted to be the bigger baller than anybody else in the room. I told LeVar, I'm going to go to the league. I'm going to be the best player in the league. Ain't going to be no MJ. Ain't going to be no Larry. Ain't going to be no Magic. It's going to be Lamar. Kids going to look up to Lamar. And when it's all said and done, I'm going to have me three boys. Unfortunately, I couldn't have no kids, okay? That's neither here nor there. But Lamar had the kids, and he had to run off with my sauce. Who would you say is better at basketball, you or Lamar? Is that, is that a serious question, Richard? Is sir, that serious? Sir, I, I believe the audience wants to know. Well, let me ask you something, Richard. Have you seen that pretty jump shot of Alonzo? Yes, sir. Who do you think taught him that one? We, we've all seen home video and home movies of LeVar teaching 
Lonzo. His fat ass just ran in there when I went to the bathroom. Hmm. He know who the bigger ball is. And now he's trying to hide me from the public before the truth come out. That's why I'm here, Richard, to state the facts. I'm the bigger ball. How great is that? How great is Lamar Ball? I'm so glad we could get the exclusive. Uh, so Philly's on the clock. They have not made their pick. Tyler Tynes. What it is. 76ers fan. Big furry hat fan. Talk to me. Maybe I should have just stopped at big furry. Tyler Tynes, yeah. big furry. Yeah, there's um, a lot going on there. Zito Maydew. Another, you got some glitter on your head. It looks good. It's patriotic. Laker man got, fan. My man got 14 different designs on. I don't even understand. <laughs> He's a confusion. <laughs> He's confusion. Okay, so let's start with Philly, then we'll get to the Lakers because you are a Sixers fan. Markel Fultz seems like the no-brainer. What's the fit like with a, hopefully, we pray, Joel Embiid and his health forever and ever and ever, Ben Simmons, now healthy. What does that fit like to you? I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be the best young trio probably in the NBA right now next to Minnesota. So if you keep these guys healthy on top of the fact that you can play Markel Fultz, not only as a lead guard, but also off the ball, he's going to be the best guard that you can possibly put in the best situation in Philadelphia. If you want Ben Simmons to run the offense, he can because Markel Fultz has played off the ball at Washington, a very, very super, super, super trash Washington team, but he still excelled, sure. especially when it came to shooting off the dribble, shooting from deep, getting in rhythm on his shots, and then shooting over 40% from three. So Markel Fultz, whether you initiate offense from him on pick and roll and he can split the screen and finish at the rim effortlessly, he is the smoothest player in the draft and the best point guard prospect to come out since maybe Kyrie Irving or John Wall. It was a great move for Philadelphia to move up. It was a stupid move for Boston to trade the pick. <laughs> Does seem and that way. Philly now has their future in hell. Trust the process. This is what Sam Hinkie died for, and we respect your sins. We do Thank respect you. it. Do you like Markel Fultz, Zito? Yeah, I kind of wish my team was taking him. <laughs> Here we Same, go. yeah. Um, so when you look at Philly, you mentioned playing off the ball, on the ball, whatever. Can Ben Simmons play off the ball? The big, like the question was his shot. Oh God, no, it's horrible. No, okay. no, no. Let, so if Markel Fultz ends up with the ball a good amount of time, which still he's what nineteen years old. Yeah. Like he's not going to be counted on to carry this team on his shoulders. But at this, again, the best point guard prospect we've seen in seven years. You can account for him to do that because he's probably the most complete player in this draft offensively and has the potential defensively, whether it's intangibles, whether it's length, whether it's height, to actually be a good defensive player. He averaged more than a block a game at Washington. He averaged more than a steal a game at Washington. He's a very very, very capable defensive player. But the thing is that you don't have to be the greatest defensive player next to Joel Embiid, Dario right. Saric, and Ben Simmons, right? All of these guys are long and Bob athletic players. Covington. And Bob, Bob Covington, Covington, bro. <laughs> and big Bob Covington. And he, he was in the picture. He was in the picture. <laughs> he was in the picture. He, he did get in the Instagram shot. Process. Got an Instagram shot. Yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, you don't need Markel to do everything. He doesn't have to come in and score 20 points a game immediately. Right. He just doesn't come in and be as good as he is right now. So what if is that's lead or off the ball, it doesn't matter because he can really fit in anywhere in this offense. How much better? Better in the short term, so we'll say everybody's healthy. That's what we're hoping for. How Let's much pray on better? Yeah. We'll pray on that. Does that make Philly? Are they realistically a like team. a playoff team with sure Markel Fultz, a nineteen-year-old? Show is. I mean, the Bulls are super trash. So I mean, is, is that really their competition to get in the playoffs? The Bulls? Okay, shout out my man's Ricky. Um, like we we gonna be a playoff team. If everybody stays healthy. Wow. That's very. How simple. many games did you guys win last year? Probably like 25. Not maybe, maybe not even that much. So how many games do you think you'll win this year? Enough to be better than the damn Bulls. True. What do you want to happen? Let's stick with the Bulls. Jimmy Butler is somebody that's on the market. What is the best possible scenario, not for just for Jimmy Butler, but just for pure entertainment and fun tonight? Is there a trade you want to see? Zito, is there, is there movement you want to see in the NBA 
tonight or in the next day or two. Is it? Is it relating to Jimmy Butler? Anybody want? I say Jimmy yeah, Butler is just an example. As a Lakers fan, I would love for Paul George to be a Laker. You want him a year early? Yeah, because make like, this, get him in the fold. Yeah, because otherwise we would have like he would get rented somewhere else, right? And he might taste success. And I don't want that. Like I want him to be in the Lakers and be with us while we're trash. And then whatever happens, happens. Does okay. So Paul George. Superstar obviously gives the Lakers a star, a dynamic they don't have. But how much better does Paul George with the surrounding cast of, we don't know yet because we don't know how they'd get him, but some sort of combination of Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson. How much better are the Lakers realistically with surrounding Paul George with not all that much right now? Still trash. Uh, Wow. <laughs> You're not in that seat. We will get yeah, to you. Like, we will get to the ball. Tyler first of all, they're better than the Sixers will be with Markel. I know you believe that. Wow. So, because okay. it's Paul George. And we don't already believe that, but I know you believe that. The guy is a 19-year-old. It's a huge difference, right? But I don't think we're going to be that exciting, right, unless we get somebody else. Right. Because it's still Jordan Clarkson. Or, no, Jordan Clarkson might not even be there. He might be it's part true. of that trade. So it's going to be Paul George and friends. Right. So I think we'll still kind of be in the same situation that we're in now. But it's the it's it's not really what we're going to do next year, but it's the it's what getting Paul George means, right? Like, the Lakers established themselves again as, like, a team that you want to go right. to, right? Like, we get a name again instead of being, like, the laughing stock of the NBA. So, this is true. If I Paul would, George like, was smart, he would come to Philadelphia where the fun is happening. Nobody goes I to Philadelphia of their own right. You crazy. You go to wow. Philadelphia when you, like, when the team sucks and you're having to be good in college. Philadelphia has made many legends. Remember when Embiid got drafted to Philadelphia? He was so disappointed. (laughs) It was was dropped the jersey. (laughs) That's subjective. You know, I saw happiness in that man. So I don't know what y'all saw, but I saw a legend. I saw a talent. And I saw a man who trusted the process like we all do There's a wonderful episode of The Simpsons that ends with uh, one of the characters saying that some people prefer delusions to despair. The most. And I think that's where you're at right now, right? My team going to be a playoff team this year. Your team going to be trash. So what are we talking about? Yeah, but we're the Lakers. Okay. So Lakers, they just make this trade with uh, with Brooklyn. They get Brooke Lopez, and they get the number 27 pick for D'Angelo Russell and the contract, and I guess technically the player as a part of the contract, Timothy Mozgov. Do you miss D'Angelo Russell already? Do I, you think he would have been a cornerstone? Go ahead, cry, I miss Bobby. him so much. Why? Why is okay, that? Okay, so, like, I haven't been to the bar in a long time on my own unless, like, somebody was paying. Yeah. And when D'Angelo Russell was traded... I I tweeted out that I was going to the bar and I sat at the bar and I was having a conversation with uh, the bartender sure. about like their job, like what they want to do in their school. Mm-hmm. And almost like every five minutes, I, it just hit me like we traded D'Angelo Russell for Brooke Lopez, like for a bag of Doritos. It's one year. He'll be we, off the books. He was. <laughs> we traded D'Angelo Russell to the Brooklyn Nets. What is it about D'Angelo Russell that made you feel that he could be a cornerstone with all of the sort of off-court stuff that he went through with all of his struggles and being consistent for the Lakers. What was it that made you think, oh, no, he is definitely somebody we need for the future? I, I think it was after the All-Star break last year when it was, like, no more Byron Scott. Like, everything was coming together. He was averaging, right. like, 18.5 was. points. And he was, he was doing really, really well. He had a couple of game winners. His last play for the Lakers was a game winner. Right. So it was just, like, he's finally getting it, right? Like, he's he's getting his time, and he's doing whatever he and needs so to do. And he's so young. He's so hard. He just turned 21 years old, yeah. and he's really good. Like, everybody knows, like, D'Angelo Russell has he, the talent to be right. really good. He's all right. And it's, like, because Jim Buss is not the best 
mind of our time, and we we that can. was the nicest thing <laughs> he said that he said, anybody he said that has so said about Jim Buss. He said that so kind. Yeah, very PC right That's now. That's true. So doing a great job. Nah, go ahead and cuss. He's no, he's nah, wearing nah, red, nah, white, nah, and blue on his head. Come on, he's yeah. representing. This this hat is keeping me stable right <laughs> now. So we gave Mozgov like the worst contract yeah. ever for somebody who was so trash, right. and so. Because somebody messed up, we had to, like, mess up again to fix it. And he was a sacrificial lamb. And it hurts because I love him. Like, even with the whole, like, recording Nick Young, Nick Young deserved it. Let's be honest. If anybody deserved for that to happen to them is the guy who shot a three-pointer and turned around and celebrated before it went in. Fair so. enough. I'd like to be the one to officially tell Tyler Tynes. Philadelphia 76ers have made it official. Bob Covington is just going to be the first pick. He's just now. Markel Fultz is officially. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Markel Fultz. Future playoff team. I don't even know what that was. I do not know. He's merely rocking on any block. On any set. Markel Fultz already better than D'Angelo Russell. It's crazy. Markel Fultz comes over across the country from the University of Washington to Philadelphia. You know what? Let's look at the Dre map. Let's bring the Dre map out for the first time. Then we're going to go to the pizza. But let's look at the Dre map. Okay, so there's the Bay Area. Let's take a look here. Go ahead and scoot on over. So where is Philly starting out, either in North America, the top of South America, Central America, or even elsewhere in the world? Where are they starting out before Markel Fultz? Before Markel Fultz, they starting out somewhere, you know, by Antarctica all the way. They're all the way. They real down there. Just down here. Okay, and so how much closer to, to, to Draymond Green on the Dre map? Does Markel Fultz get them? You see where his left eyebrow is? Come on. You see right there where his left eyebrow is? I do see the left that's eyebrow. What we, that's what we about right wow. there. Wow. on the eyebrow. All right. Zito, where is Markel Fultz and Philadelphia? If they're starting in Antarctica, how much closer physically in the world, geographically speaking, are the 76ers? Uh, they're in Cuba, and they have okay, no so idea. Cuba. <laughs> Philly might have some passport issues. Yes. Yeah. But they're enjoying the old cars, but there's still a considerable yeah, distance. they have no idea that the sanctions are back on. <laughs> they're, they're, we in the Bay Area. We trust in the, the process. Area. We come in, we trust in processes, and it's our time. 2020 is a championship in Philadelphia. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Markel Fultz is the new man. Don't okay. worry about it. So specifically, Markel Fultz's game is versatile, and we talked in the pre-show, we've talked right now, that he is one of, if not the best point guard prospect in six, seven years. John Wall, Kyrie Irving, obviously the two big names in that period, but what is it about Markel Fultz's game specifically? What makes him so good and so valuable to take at number one? What makes Markel so valuable is that he is just, you do not get a complete package in a guard, whether it's the offensive or defensive potential package of any, of any guard. You just do not get so much talent right. in a player so quickly. Yes, the team was absolutely horrible. Yes, he looked a little bit lazy on defense, but for a player to score 24 in a game for a very trash team is one thing. So you have the offensive firepower. You have a guy who's a 6'6 lead guard that can play either off the ball or be a lead ball can't a lead ball handler. Right. He can split the pick and roll with anybody, run the pick and roll, and run the pick and pop better than most guards in the NBA right now. And he's a very complete shooter from dis- from distance and can post up. Yep. He can do basically everything offensively and has shown that he has chase down block ability, has steal ability, can play passing lanes, and will get better defensively. What, what else would you risk your future? Must be Fair. nice. I do have some Must breaking nice. news. This is totally real breaking news. Okay. An NBA superstar has been traded. Jimmy Butler, we don't have the details yet, but this is the report that I'm being told over here. <laughs> I like the anticipation. <laughs> you just breathe so heavily. Very big oh my God. <laughs> Jimmy Butler is a Minnesota Timberwolf. Oh! Got oh, the details. Why would oh. they do that to him? 
Well, I, I mean, feel so bad for Jimmy. Why did they send him to Minnesota? <laughs> well, he obviously has the experience playing for Minnesota's head coach, so there I is that. I don't, but I don't know if I like that. <laughs> wow. Man. So this was, you know, Minnesota was heavy in talks last year around draft time to if make I'm, a big if splash. I'm Andrew Wiggins, I got to fight him. Yeah. So, I got to assert dominance oh. early. So Minnesota has genuine star power to pair with Carl Anthony Towns, Zach Levine. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, I don't think, is there in terms of saying star power, but wow. certainly the talent is wow. there. He was on, on a Drake song. Wow, He's on, on a Drake song. Draft I'm not going to talk up a Canadian when he's wow. wearing red, white, draft blue. Dare you. Draft How day. Dare you. Hey, Wiggins. didn't see his cornrows. But okay, so Jimmy Butler out of Chicago. So Chicago is in a different mode right now. Well, Minnesota makes well, a they're big just, move. They're just, remember how I just said like five minutes ago that if the if, if the ceiling was beat in Chicago? Yeah, the six is about to be like a four seed. So what's up? We good. Don't worry about four it. Four seed. You ready to hear what Chicago got? What did get? The seventh pick. Ooh. Chris Dunn. Ooh. And Zach Levine. Ooh. No! Not Zach! Ooh. Ooh. Zach just had an ACL tear. My head almost fell off my head. Oh, my God. Zach Levine had a nice year moving forward yeah. just in terms of like his ability to add a, a long-range shot. Mm. Chris Dunn, I think, was it a little more raw than I think people anticipated getting into the league. The words you're looking for is trash. Okay. I listen. I we're waiting I, for Tyler to listen, get back I to that. I can't speak ill of my son Christopher Dunn yet because I have I barely seen him play basketball so, in the NBA. Okay, so. fair. Imagine not being good. Picture that. That's what he was. <laughs> so okay, your gut reaction though. Who wins the trade value wise? I feel like Chicago kind of Chicago kind of does because like adding Jimmy Butler to a team where you already have. Cat, and you already have Wiggins. What's what's the point? Like, you, okay, so you add another wing, you've got more wing power, but like, do the Timberwolves really get better? Not really. They get maybe, better maybe, defensively. Maybe they, yes. they they, maybe they become a, a playoff team at this point, but I think right. Chicago wins that. You get a nice young piece in Zach Levine, you get the number seven pick, and you get a point guard that still is really not proven yet to kind of right. come on a team and maybe be a starter. I think Chicago wins that trade, and especially it boosts their no. rebuild immediately instead of just getting rid of Jimmy for nothing. Okay. No, not at all. Counterpoints. Not at all. Not at all, because, like, what you're living on is hope, right? Like, the future is always the – well, you're a Philadelphia fan, so, like, the <laughs> whole trust of process, right? Like, they get Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is one of the best two-way players in the league. And they have Cat, one of the best young players in the league. And they have still kind of Ricky Rubio, who's one of the best passers in the league. And they have Andrew Wiggins, one of the best, best young stars. And Ricky in the Rubio has yeah. been in conversations for trade talks, so we don't know exactly. But, but that's forever, forever though. Yeah, but they've been trying to trade Rubio since he came to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> to make a trade like this, though, you instantly have to ask yourself: Do the Timberwolves get that much better? Right. And the Timberwolves were a fringe playoff team last year, so they have. One they would have gotten better this year, yeah. and now you get a better one of the best two-way players in the game. Right. You get two very complete wings in his prime. Is that you still lose maybe in the first round of the playoffs? So what's what's really the point? They have two superstars now, right? They, they have two. they have two superstars, and, and they can and they have a potential third. And they might and Andrew Wiggins. And they and might get bounced in the first round. But like what you're trying to build on is like getting past that, right? Like if you the whole point of acquiring these picks that Chicago just did, right, is to get to the playoffs. Right. If you get bounced in the first round, you look at what you've done right, what what you can improve on, and you build on that, right? Like you're not just gonna get better and then win win a championship. That's not how it works, right? It's a yearly process. They've gotten significantly better by adding an actual superstar who's a two way. I mean, player. if if the name of the modern NBA game is adding superstars. If, if this Minnesota is now a super is in team. That place. 
Minnesota's a super team. <laughs> Minnesota is Ricky Rubio a is a superstar. Minnesota's the best NBA team in the state of Minnesota. <laughs> that I can say with certainty. Okay. I would also now like the privilege to tell Zito, officially, Lonzo Ball is a Los Angeles Laker. I am so shocked. <laughs> oh, my God. Get him a, get him a paper Jesus. bag. Jeez, the hat almost flew off and everything. Like, All right, yeah. so we don't know if the Lakers are big done ballers. in dealing tonight. Shout out to them big ballers. We already have a Triple deal. B's. Triple Shout B's. out to the big baller and the bigger baller brands. Yeah. Shout, Shout out to the ball. Shout out to them biggest ballers. Yo, my son Lamar. <laughs> okay, so here's the two-parter. Do you just do you like Lonzo Ball as a basketball player? And two, how much better do the Lakers become with Lonzo Ball now with an empty point guard spot with D'Angelo Russell out and Jordan Clarkson maybe coming off the bench, something like that? How much better are the Lakers this very instant? Uh, we're, I don't know. I don't know if he can score the same way that D'Angelo Russell did, right? Because okay. he's, he's proven he can score, but I think the, the question was always about his jump shot, right. if he could release it in time in the NBA. But I think, I think because he has the range, he has the range and the sauce, but he has the range to do it. But he's a much better passer. I think that's okay. always been his thing is that he is probably the best passer that we've seen in a long time. And so he is. He's have you have you watched does, his kid play? Have you seen Hill? Touch passes, bounce passes, his behind feel the is back. Extraordinary. His vision is like Ronaldinho in soccer. Like he's We don't have to do that. He's way ahead of his time when it comes to vision. So I think because of that, he can play make a lot better than D'Angelo Russell could. And that's one of, the, one of his biggest faults is that he wasn't he couldn't create for too many other people. Right. But it's the fact that the Lakers don't have finishers. There's no point having a guy who could create all the shots in the world if Julius Randle is just putting his head down and throwing the ball up in the air. And there's something unique that you find to be about Lonzo Ball's background as a player, that he just he didn't take the typical path in terms of the competition. You feel like that sort of molded in him into what he is right now. Yeah, I think that's a big part of why he's so good at like touch passes and everything like that, is that he spent a lot of his like formative years playing with his brothers and like pl- playing against competition that he was just beaten up on, right? He was right. like basically a street basketball player. And not first, much in the way of AAU. Yeah, like not in AAU or anything. Like I think his first time was the McDonald's All-American where he played with Josh Jackson or whatever. Right. So I think because of that, and I think this goes across all sports, is what you usually want for like the young kids is for them to develop their creativity, for them to develop that like audacious. That's how Tyler got to where he is today. Yeah. Like, I, I wish somebody would have, like, pushed him down a little bit. <laughs> oh, 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 He's buddy. too creative. Oh, buddy, yeah. I wish the same thing for you. So hey, I'm as humble as they come. Sure. But, sure, yeah, I think that this. the fact that he was able to, like, be in that situation where he could try out what he can, like, do and, like, right. develop that, just that brilliance without somebody just putting him in a tactical situation and telling him what sure. he's good at, what he's bad at already and, like, pigeonholing him so like he he was able to just like be free that freedom just allowed him to like develop these like talents that we see today so i think because of that and it goes with like a lot of uh street soccer players too Mm -hmm. because even coaches tell you when you're young like just go play around with your friends because that's when you develop like all your dribbling ability so i i love that about him is that he took the alternative route all right you mentioned finishers because we are now going to go to the pizza room where we have four finishers Attempting, hey. yeah. Uh, so I can't breathe. I think uh, I think finisher is a. Uh, I don't know if finisher is the right term. So yeah, how are you guys feeling? You're trying to eat uh, collectively. Right now. Seven um, feet. We're starting pizza. pictures. We're Dan, Dan is asking us right now about the the temperature of the room. How do we feel? Um, um, mm. We're struggling. 
Dan. Um, okay. I, I think I can speak for the room in saying we're struggling. Um, we did not trust the process. <laughs> um, a few of us maybe took part in some libations uh, before that have taken up some stomach room. Others took part in the non-room pizza. Um, Huge mistake. You know, it was just some, one piece. There were some wraps that were going on about an hour and a half ago, so we 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 got off on the wrong foot, uh, and, and we're paying I, for it. I, I was so confident that I could do this. I, I would like to call to attention to the fact that uh, my piece of the pizza, my end of the pizza, is the most kind of like done, taken care of. Um, well, yeah, once you moved it I've all been, around, I've been don't, 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 try to, don't try to take credit for it all, bro. You like definitely move some slices around. Listen, do not do not do that, okay? Listen, no, at the end of that. the day, I did what I had don't to do. do this this no, is a no, mental no, game. This no, is a mind game that. here. Yeah. Like this is mind over matter <laughs> here. Is I need to see progress on this seven foot pizza. Oh. This is. Long. This is large. This is uh, a lot of it's heavy dough. The other thing is, I think we've been duped because it's hard. It's kind of I can't show this to the camera, but look, this is not like some thin like. This is not some thin like New York slice like pizza or something like <laughs> it's that. It's doughy. Like, we're talking about Very. like doughy like. Very. We, we wanted toppings at first, but toppings were a bad idea. So uh, I'm not sure how the pizza's going to end up going. But, uh, Dan, if you want to come down here and help out at any point no. in time, by all means, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right, we'll keep checking in on you guys throughout the night. But before, and you see these two beautiful people back on set, Mike Prade and Ricky O'Donnell, uh, before we talk about, well, I guess the huge trade that just happened and the picks that continue to roll in, I know another one has come in, uh, let's take a look at our very own Seth Rosenthal and Jess Matana as they try to conquer Guy Fieri, NBA draft pick on draft night, or boy band member with an uncomfortable close-up. Take a look. I, I think that's a boy band. I think that I could see Guy Fieri wearing this, potentially, but it does kind of scream... 90s yeah, it feels like it predates Guy Fieri's fame. And just like, that can't be an NBA player. Like, that's a little too, a little too ridiculous. I'm, you think boy band? I'd say, boy band. I'd say boy band, okay. yeah. Oh, oh it's it. Guy. I knew it. Oh, you rascal. So this is a collar. Yeah. So this is like, a, this is a shirt. Well, first of all, if that were an NBA draft outfit, it would be famous. You would see it every year. People would bring it back and talk about it constantly. I want to say this look, This could be like a Backstreet Boys thing. Yeah. But like... Again, it, I like my brain is putting this into a specific photo of like the yeah. Backstreet Boys. I could also see Guy Fieri wearing this. I'm thinking boy band. I'm saying boy band. Okay. Yes. Yes, I it knew it. it. <laughs> I knew it was the Backstreet Wait, no, it's insane. That's insane. It's okay. Damn. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Mm. I think that looks like a really ugly, like, NBA yeah. suit. From, like, Like, one of those suits that, like, the, they would wear that would, like, go down to their knees. Yeah. You know what yes. I'm talking about? Yeah. That's kind of what that reminds me of. NBA? I think so. Yes. Okay. I was right. It's a long... <laughs> yeah, it is a super <laughs> it's long, a long suit. suit. Oh, this, this is... This is camo. This, this is, is NBA draft. Yeah, this is NBA draft. Um, that kind of looks like Andrew Wiggins's. Oh, it could really be Guy Fieri, too, though. <laughs> I feel like the trick is that they're all Guy Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> There's no NBA draft people in here that'd be so rude. 
I think it's a basketball player. Basketball player? All right, fine. It's guy, I told you it was guy. I told you it was guy. By the way, he's at the what appears to be the premiere of the Duck Commander musical. <laughs> of course he is. So I promised you as Prada, I assume is on Tinder or something. Yeah, that's what right I'm now. on. Yes. So I promised you um, a very vulgar night of Ricky O'Donnell <laughs> as a joke. But let me tell you something. While the excellent uh, segment Guy Fieri, boy band member or NFL NBA draft pick, excuse me, was airing, um, Ricky's been stewing. A Chicago native, a uh, somebody who has contributed and edited and done all sorts of fun things for Blog of Bull, our, our SB Nation Bulls network. There's steam coming out of I your ears, not unlike a bull. How are you feeling about the loss of Jimmy Butler for Zach Levine, the number seven NBA draft pick, and uh, what's the third element? I've already forgotten. Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn, excuse me. You know, me. Yeah. I have to say that I never thought it would happen because with the Bulls front office, the safest assumption is always that they're going to take the laziest and most convenient <laughs> route. <laughs> but they did pull the trigger on this big trade, and I have to say, I hate it. I wish they were lazy and didn't do anything right. because, first of all, giving up the 16th pick in this deal, you're giving up Jimmy Butler and the 16th pick, that's just dumb. You're moving up nine spots and you're trading one of the 10 best players in the NBA, yep. an all-NBA wing in the prime of his career with two years left on his contract. I just don't think they got enough in return for Jimmy Butler. Like The Bulls nearly made this trade last year with the Timberwolves because they loved Chris Dunn so much. Now the Bulls just watch Chris Dunn <laughs> suck, basically, as a rookie. <laughs> did, did they not watch they this decided, year? Did they, they just decided, right. let's do this trade again, because if there's one thing the Bulls don't have enough of, it's trash point guards who don't deserve a spot in this league. Wait, let, let me, exactly. let's run through. Just who let they, him go. No, let's run through who they've acquired in the last 12 months. Michael yeah. Carter-Williams. Yes, true. Cameron Payne. Rondo. Trash. Rondo. Trash. Uh, they had one other point guard, Isaiah Cannon, Jerry and Grant. Probably <laughs> trash. And now Chris Dunn. Okay. It's like, and then Zach Levine, a player who I've always liked. I've always okay. liked Zach Levine's game. Pretty good game. But he just tore his ACL. That's so true. you're mm-hmm. dealing for him at a very low value. The seventh pick, okay, that's cool. I could get behind that, but I want another first-rounder on top of that. Give me next year's first-rounder. Instead, they're including their own first-rounder, and this is a Bulls special. They are constantly being guilted into giving up more additional picks. This is a team that traded like five draft picks for Doug McDermott and then included two second-round picks to trade Doug McDermott again. The Bulls front office, I have to say it, they're just big, dumb idiots. Okay, so we will will get back to Jimmy Butler. The Boston Celtics have selected Jason Tatum. So well, I'm just. This is for your own sanity. I'm just trying yeah, to distract trying you a little bit. Uh, so Jason Tatum is a Boston Celtic, at least in this very instant. Um, we talked about Jason Tatum at the top of the show, saying the most polished offensive playmaker in this year's draft. It looks like, just in terms of the the number of moves. Um, do you feel like he can fit in with Boston? Do you feel like this was the obvious pick? Now looking back on it, let's start with you, Prada, but then we'll t- go to you, Ricky. Yeah, I mean, Ricky had this pegged from a mile away. I want to yeah. make you feel better for a second. Thanks, man. Because everybody's like, ooh, Josh Jackson. Nope, Jason Tatum. Nah. But what are they going to do with Jason Tatum? Are they going to keep him? Are they going to trade him? And it always comes back to this. Is Jason Tatum going to be better than Markel Fultz? That's the bottom line to me. Potentially, there is, you know, the offensive skill is there. That's the bottom line to me. If he's not then you better hope that that pick you got in return really helps, and you better hope you get Gordon Hayward, because otherwise, why not just take Marco Fultz? I mean, these guys are both one-year players that are not going to... I don't think Tatum's going to play heavy minutes next year. Do you? I don't think well, so. Well, it depends if they get 
I guess Gordon Hayward, but I do have to say I had Tatum six on my big board, so him going third overall, like in a vacuum, I don't like that. Right. However, the fit in Boston, as I said earlier, I do think is really strong because Brad Stevens will get him sharing the ball. He's not going to be a little ball stopper in Boston, right. right? Brad Stevens is not going to go for that. I think he compliments Jalen Brown well. They're going to have a lot of lineup versatility. Now imagine Tatum at the four. Brown at the three, Gordon Hayward at the two. That is a very much new age, versatile lineup. They can play both ends of the floor. They can shoot from all those positions. So I do kind of like that. Uh, Tatum, you know, I don't want to, it's tough to sit here and say he's a ball stopper because he is so young early in his career. He's always been the best player on any level he's ever played. Right. Coming into the NBA, he is really polished. I mean, this is a guy who, if you give him the rock, He's going to score. He can pop off for 20 at any time. He, if any Duke fans who watched the end of the year in the ACC tournament, Duke won four straight games in four straight days. Mm-hmm. To win the ACC tournament as a five seed, they're the first team that's ever done that. That was strictly because of Jason Tatum. I mean, yeah. Jason Tatum was popping off for 20 every game in there. He was playing his best ball at the end of the season at the right time. So I, I do like the fit here. I think that you know the Celtics identified Tatum from a long time. My thing is, as soon as they made that trade, that was 2013 with the right. Nets when they acquired that pick, they knew they would be drafting a player out of the high school class of 2016. From the moment those rankings came up, Jason Tatum was towards the top of the class. He was right. always identified as one of the linchpins of going to be one of the linchpins of this draft class. Uh, so I'm sure that the Celtics did a lot of homework on him. They probably feel comfortable with him as a player, as a person. So uh, I'm not going to trash the Celtics because I'm still mad about the Bulls. Yeah, let's talk Bulls more about Jimmy Butler. Let's Before we get into Jimmy Butler, we're going to keep with Jimmy Butler. We have the king of trash on set with us. Ooh. And he knows when he hears his name. So we've got Tyler the Grouch. So you had initially said that the Bulls did pretty well in this trade. Ricky's here saying Trash. What is your evaluation of Ricky's trash evaluation of Chicago? Well, this is like a trash inception right well, we now. have the trash king. I mean, my son had a good evaluation, you know what I mean? But at the <laughs> same time, it's hard for me to believe that the Timberwolves got that much better. It's hard for me. Like, they got better, right? But it's like, again, is this to get better for you to be a first-round exit playoff team? Okay, in the West. That's fine. Did the Bulls get better? I don't know because I still got a soft spot for Chris Dunn, so... How old is Chris How Dunn? did the Bulls get better? 23 or 24. Chris Dunn's a good point guard. No, did not. you watch him this year? <laughs> nope. Well, there you go. At least he admitted okay. it. I did like Chris Dunn coming into, you know, when he was entering the draft. I thought Chris Dunn, you know, he was really good in the pick and roll of Providence. Right. He had great size, great length. He played both ends of the floor. There was a good command of the floor, him. yeah. But you know what? He just did nothing in Minnesota as a rookie that would give you any semblance of faith that he's going to be, could that be a NBA point guard. Could that be because of Minnesota specifically? Because of Tibbs? Because well, of the no. system they ran? Why? I mean, Tibbs is really good with Here, point guards. That's true. Usually. The Bulls have no conviction in their own ability to evaluate talent. And that's what has been plaguing this front office for the last couple of years. They just want four-year college players who they have a lot of tape on. They don't want to take any risks on these guys. And what that does is it puts a hard ceiling on how good they can actually be. This trade is just a disaster. Like, I do wow. not like I mean, this at all. The fact that they had to include the 16th pick, didn't get another future first-rounder, it's like, what are you doing? How is this the best you could do for Jimmy Butler, who's a stud, all-NBA player, gets better every single year, did everything you ever asked him to do. Bulls, bad trade. You're idiots. It's, it, it's very clear they didn't really value Jimmy Butler like we did because okay. they've been having him in rumors for a while. And with Chris Dunn, I mean, the Wolves gave Chris Dunn every opportunity to win that job. They tried to trade Rubio. They clearly didn't want Rubio. They made that pick. They turned down that trade last year, by the way, right. because that trade was there last year. And Chris Dunn still couldn't do it. Not only could he not do it, he lost minutes to Tyus Jones. And it's not like Chris Dunn is a one-and-done like Dennis Smith or like all these guys. He was a four-year senior player. Frankly, he's a lot like Jerry and Grant. 
He's a lot like Marco Carter Williams. He's yeah. a lot like okay, all I'm these other you guys. Okay, I'm going to Ricky blows <laughs> his brains out. Um, Josh Jackson is a Phoenix Sun. That's good. I just want, I when like I that. see Ricky covering us, I just want to <laughs> shift. I want to shift. I want to distract. No, no, no. I want to. I want to prolong his. Do not career. pound. Um, okay, so Josh Jackson, somebody who a lot of people had, you know, potentially as a top three pick, false number four, and he does a lot of things really, really well. Other than perhaps shoot with some consistency, it sort of came and went for Kansas this season for the small forward. But he can guard a number of positions. He can slash. He, he is sort of uh, selfless with the ball. He adds a lot to a basketball team. Phoenix is a team on the up. And up, I know he's a terrific pick. Uh, you think it's it's a great fit for Phoenix? Terrific fit. Why? Because they have no good defenders. They have a good backcourt. You know, we'll see what happens with Bledsoe, but they have Devin Booker as their backcourt guy of the future. They could get another point guard. They have TJ Warren who can really fill it up. Yeah. Now they get Jackson, a really good defender on the wing. He can play up at the four. They can play small. They've got Marquise, Chris, and Dragon Bender still who could develop. I think it's They're exactly so what they're so young. Yes. They're so young. Now, I mean, they've got to learn some good habits, but I think this is a great best case scenario for them because I don't know Jason Tatum would have helped them that much, but Josh Jackson, Josh Jackson really helps them. I think Craig has been reading my mock drafts because this is what I've been writing. <laughs> Fair. Oh, I've been doing my own research. I've watched miles and miles of tape. Wait, uh, you don't Josh watch ja- miles of tape. What am I talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's how people talk now. Josh Jackson yeah. rules. And I think yeah, he does. The, the most important thing uh, for the Suns is they needed someone who could just add some competitive fire to that team. Right. I mean, Devin Booker, great player, scored 17 a game. He's really not going to make, like, you know, dive on the floor, so take one way player. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to be a brilliant passer. They got their front court of the future last year with mm-hmm. Chris and Bender. And I just think that Josh Jackson is just a winning player. It sort of sounds like an old sports radio cliche right, or right. something. But he's the type of guy who's going to do the little things to help you win. He'll guard anyone. He can slide up and down the lineup from the four to the two. Uh, and, you know, while his free throw percentage was pretty bad, he shot like almost 50% on threes for the last 18 games of the season. I don't think his three ball is that bad, even though, uh, you know, the shooting form is a little funny. But Josh Jackson just does all the little things you need to win basketball games. This is clearly who Phoenix wanted the entire time. I think I totally agree with Prater that J- Jason Tatum would not have helped them. To me, the Suns, as soon as that trade went down between the Sixers and the Celtics, the Suns were the secret winner of that mm-hmm. trade because yeah. it made them more likely to get Josh Jackson. Uh, Suns, way to go. You're a smart team, unlike the Bulls. Any hesitation because Josh Jackson could be a little too fiery, which the Suns have had issues with players throwing towels at coaches. Any sort of character concern there with his sort of yeah. somewhat off-the-court stuff? Yeah, I mean, he did have a... I mean, a bad off-the-court yep. incident that we should not gloss over whatsoever. I mean, what he did with a female basketball player from Kansas is just totally unacceptable, and that's right. something that that's not going to slide at the pro level, and it's unacceptable at any level, really. Right. Uh, so I do think, for sure, that should be a concern because, you know, he only played college basketball for one year. He was only in the spotlight for nine months, and that happened. Uh, so I don't want to guess too much about Josh Jackson's character or anything like that. Right. I don't think that's fair to him. But we assume from Phoenix. Yeah. perspective, though, I think he's a very good fit in Phoenix. I mean, I think anyone would go to Phoenix You have these concerns about, does that team have the right culture? Right. Is the owner really too involved? But that would have been the case with anyone they picked. I mean, that they've got to clean that up, but just on pure talent alone, it's a great, it's a great great fit all right and with that we did have matt ufford because he just he is geography minded we're geography minded with our dre map but we had matt ufford he's he's welcoming in boston's newest draftee jason tatum and just really helping him out with what he needs to know about boston take a look welcome to boston you are joining one of the nba's 
most storied franchises with passionate fans whose most beloved players are Larry Bird, John Havlicek, and Bob Cousy. And you'll find yourself shoulder to shoulder with other beloved athletes of New England like Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, and Rex Burkhead. Win a championship for Boston, and maybe you can sell as many jerseys as Brian Scalabrini. Of course, I have to address the white elephant in the room. You're gonna hear a lot about race in your new city. And that's because it's home to the Boston Marathon, one of the most competitive races in the world. You will not see a better city in the NBA. It, it really warms my heart, getting somebody to welcome you to your new city. I love that. So we do welcome in Whitney Medworth, of course, on SB Nation's NBA team. Uh, we could not pry away Mike Prada from nice. his seat. Nice, good one. Thank you. Like that? you like that? Well Thank done. You. Um, so we're, we're on the, the clock, I guess. No, Sacramento and, I guess, Orlando have taken their picks right now. But um, it, it's been reported that Indiana and Boston are deep into talks with still some distance regarding Paul George. Indiana, Indianapolis, your local team. What is your initial? Are you as angry on the inside as Ricky? I'm not as... Ricky seemed really hurt. I was he, like, I was oh, yeah. like watching him work through some really traumatic stuff. <laughs> um, but, like, the biggest thing with Paul George is that seeing all these trades knowing that the Pacers could have made those same trades had right. he not pigeonholed himself so much. You know, we could have made the Minnesota trade. Maybe it's not a great trade, but it's better than nothing. Good value, yeah. Um, maybe we could be making the Boston trade. Uh, maybe we will, but maybe we won't because he's still so pigeonholed, you know, to the Lakers. So um, it's it's really nice to see, though, that Kevin Pritchard uh, taking Larry Bird's place mm -hmm. is at least making some it's noise and doing stuff. Um I don't know that Larry would have done the same, so okay. it's it's at least good to see him at least scaring people, I think, into doing something. Larry Bird's I'm, quiet. Yeah. Larry so Bird is very quiet. quiet. Very I'm going to jump in right now because De'Aaron Fox is officially a Sacramento King. Mm -hmm. This seemed to be like an obvious peg unless the Lakers really became enamored with him at number two. But De'Aaron Fox, of course, the, the speedy point guard from Kentucky. You're going to be shocked to learn this, that a Kentucky player has ended up in Sacramento. How many is that now? You've got Cauley Stein. Yep. You have uh, Scal. Scal. And you have, of course, Boogie. Yes. Boogie. Yeah, we had Boogie. Boogie is not inside. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news. Boogie is no longer in Sacramento. Wait, really? Yeah. This is what's happening. So Darren Fox, obviously, with a huge amount of upside because of his speed, because of his competitive fire, because of his vocal father. There's all sorts of things to like about Darren Fox. I'm but... lo lo looking forward to rooting for him. Okay. Why I feel is that? a little bad because I think he's a great kid. He's got right. a great father. And I just... I think he's going to be a fun player to watch. I like his game. He's really shifty. He can get to the rim, locks down defensively. Jump shot's a little bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little worried that he's so – I mean, he wanted to go to Sacramento, which is kind of weird. That's how many people want to go play for the Kings. Right. Not that many. Fair. I just hope the Kings are patient with him because it's going to take him a while. If you're a point guard and you can't shoot – you saw, you see this with guys like Alfred Payton, Emmanuel yeah. Moutier. These even guys. like John Wall coming into the league was yeah. super fast, super talented, needed to develop a jump shot. And it's even more important now that when Wall came in, and you know, right. these are guys picked around Fox's range. Where now we're looking, it's like, no, oh, what's Emmanuel Moutier? Right. You got to give Fox some time. And Sacramento ain't exactly the front office that tends to be the most patient. Right. So I'm just a little worried about that. I'm going to jump in right here because we do have uh, Tyler the Grouch, the Trash King, the Trash Emperor, the Trash Titan. Uh, I, I have to imagine he likes De'Aaron Fox. I can't imagine he doesn't like De'Aaron Fox. But here's the question as being the emperor of all things trash. Is Sacramento too trash to be turned around by De'Aaron Fox? Too trash for my son. De'Aaron Fox <laughs> got some shiny earrings. Stott is trash. I treated my son, big man Boogie Cousins, like he was nothing special. 
can't vibe with the city of Sacramento no more. Mm-mm. Okay, trash. that's that's what I wanted to know. Succinct. Very there succinct. it is. There's the trash. Um, so De'Aaron Fox goes to Sacramento. He has a supporting cast that has some promise. There's definite size to Sacramento. Whitney, do you think that if Sacramento is patient with him, that he can sort of turn into a player that ultimately might change the perception of, of Sacramento. Yeah, I think the best thing about him, and assuming that Sacramento gives him a chance, um, I think he's a good face of the franchise also moving forward. They mm-hmm. lost Boogie, uh, gave him away. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is the the guy that said he you know tore up Lonzo Ball, and he did to an extent. So I think it's a good step forward for them, someone that they can che- get behind, cheer for, um, since you know they decided to let Boogie go. So... Here's my question now, because Sacramento obviously has a ways to go, and this is for both of you. Sacramento potentially really fun, even if they're not a playoff no. team. You don't think they're fun if Buddy Heald develops as like, like a, a consistent enough shooter? No. Scal showed promise. I mean, they're fun like we say this every year before the year. Oh, that like crappy team on League Pass. I'm going to watch right. them all the time. And, and then, then nobody ever does. And then but it comes yeah. to February and it's like, wait, I haven't watched a Kings game in forever. It's the same thing. Okay. You know, so I'm, they need to prove it to me. Before I get them the what fun. Is, what is the missing link right now for Sacramento? Would you Everything. say? Everything. Okay, other they will have a young point guard. They have promising young bigs. They need. I need. I, they need to, a lot. Obviously, I they need, need a lot. I need them to prove that they have a culture that cares about winning and knows about how to do it the right way. Do you I need like, to know that their front office knows what it's doing, is not going to do stupid stuff. I need to know that they're not going to have a lot of drama. And until I see that happening, I'm not going to believe in them. And by the way, they don't have a 2019 first-round pick, so right. this is going to be a long climb. It sounds like a team that needs a veteran, but how are you going to get one when you know, no one really wants to get one? Do you like their so coaching staff? so many veterans, too, that just run through there, and it doesn't make a difference. Do you like the coaching staff that developed a number of players that I guess could be considered kind of similar in Memphis? How do you feel about the coaching staff match with uh, – with De'Aaron Fox and some young players. I mean, I've always been a Jaeger fan. I think he, I think he's a good coach. Um, hopefully, the front office doesn't get in his way and lets him, you know, kind of do what he needs to do. Um, if they keep taking the players away from him, then that's not, you know, doesn't give him a chance. So I guess it always comes back to the the people in charge there in Sacramento if they can if they can keep it together. So not fun. Not a lot of promise. No pick. Pretty good coaching staff. Uh, and we need to give De'Aaron Fox time. Arena. It is a beautiful arena. There it is. They have a nice house. The furniture's not great, (laughs) but the house is super nice. Um, I know a couple more picks have come in. Uh, What do you expect? What do you want to happen uh, later on in this draft? Are there any players that you you envision being selected soon? I mean, I think we have a report that Jonathan Isaac has gone to Orlando. Um, That is a great pick. Do you think he fits in with what Orlando is trying to do? What is Orlando trying to do? That's the question. I mean, that's the thing I'm just wondering. Yeah. New GM. Now, John Hammond had, did some very good things in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Isaac is a very John Hammond pick if you think about long wingspan, you know, maybe a little raw. Though I think Isaac is much less raw than Don McCurr or Giannis. Uh, sure. So, but it's like it's the same problem in Orlando. It's they always land in this spot where they don't have that one guy to kind of get it going, and they're short-circuiting their rebuilding process. Last summer was a disaster for them. Right. And now it's like, okay, who's, who are the players that you're going to have in three years and who are going to be your core and you're going to prioritize to develop? I'm not really sure they've got any of those players. So Beyond now Jonathan Isaac. You know, 
I guess we'll have to see. But Isaac is a role player type, isn't he? I yes. don't think he's the kind he's of guy where you're going to say, yeah, we got Jonathan Isaac. He's a trunk of our franchise. He's a top-level role player in that he's versatile defensively. He can hit some outside shots. But I think the knock on him last year for Florida State was he wasn't a take-charge kind of player. I think he had something like eight attempts per game from the field. And so he still has a ton left to go development-wise. What do you see as the sort of foundation, if anything, for, for Orlando? I think the good thing with this pick and for Orlando is that they have Frank Vogel as the coach yep. who is a defensive stud mm-hmm. so he may be able to I think what they thought they were going to do with Serge and Bismack Biombo, maybe they can kind of get some of that going now with Isaac hopefully um, the other knock to that is he's not really an offensive coach and we've just said that you yes. know, Isaac's offense isn't and that are great. very much in need of an identity as a right. team yeah so I don't know that that matches there um, but I do think that Vogel can bring out some good things um, in Isaac as a role player but I still think they need that bigger that bigger piece Fair. Prada, fun potential for Orlando. Between one and ten is? One and a half. One and a half. Okay, you know what? Let's take it to the Dre map. Let's take it to the Dre map. All right. Where is, we're going to go up here in a second. Okay, so starting, we can go with the Americas. We can go way off of here. We had Antarctica earlier, so you can't use that. Where is Orlando starting from before Jonathan Isaac with a new GM and a, and a decent coach? I would Frank say Vogel. somewhere between, like, let's say Mongolia. Mongolia. So we're talking way over here as Draymond is wiggling in the Bay Area. Not at all worried. <laughs> Can't even get over way over Mongolia. So how much closer? How much is it? Is it a far distance? Is it a tiny distance? They might have crawled. Are to we you. getting into the stands? I think we might have crawled to Ukraine. We're all the way to the Ukraine. Okay. Maybe, but if so, we're in the Eastern Bloc. Somewhere in, in here. Block. Okay. Fair enough. It was and a good pick. I mean, if they take lower, if they had taken Lori Markkinen, they probably would have only gone to Kazakhstan, which I believe is closer to Draymond than it, Mongolia. I it is it true. Is. It is true. The stands it are is. closer. <laughs> okay. uh, Whitney with Sacramento. Where were they starting from? De'Aaron Fox. Where do they end up? I'm going to keep it on this map. Oh, here. we're staying in the Americas. Just like so, the the Kings are further just, along the Magic. Ju- well, more just for visual. Yeah, we aspect. have visuals here, Prada. Yeah. Um, they're going to be up in like Newfoundland, you know, like oh over, wow, over up here. in here, yeah, okay, yeah. like even even for a little. Okay, further. and with the Aaron Fox, they're just like maybe a mile over. They're maybe just like <laughs> they're staying bit. within yeah. the, the sort of Nova Scotia they're, range. Yeah, they're pretty far away. Okay, so they're still they're out at the Atlantic, much more so than the United States. Draymond is having a hell of a time yeah. wiggling he's over fine. the Bay Area. He's I don't think he's losing enough. much sleep no, over the Kings not. and Magic. Kings and Magic, please do not watch them at all. Uh, let's go to Tyler the Grouch. Tyler, how are you feeling about Jonathan Isaac, who certainly came on late in the season last year for Florida State? De'Aaron Fox you have as being ruined by the trash city of Sacramento. But Orlando, John Hammond, Frank Vogel, is this a place Jonathan Isaac can potentially thrive? No. <laughs> Orlando, a nice place to put your feet in the water, drink some Mai Tais and things like that. But, like, if you're trying to play basketball, there ain't been nothing special since Shaq and Penny. So what are we really talking about Orlando for? You know what? That's No, that's trash. <laughs> they made the NBA Finals, and they were still trash. Yeah, how long they made the was NBA? That? that was a long time ago. That was, that was a Dwight Howard yeah. and, oh, man, the Courtney Lee. Dwight, I mean, if... Yeah, I'm. Right. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna be nice to Dwight Howard tonight. I think he deserves it. He had. It's been a really sad week for Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. He traded in a salary dump that wasn't really a salary dump. Right. It's just, it was just a Dwight dump. It was yeah, just a Dwight dump. Yeah. All right. Changing number twos. We're gonna. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? We do not want that. This is a family show. Let's go right now back to Lamar Ball. Who just more big claims? I love it. Welcome back to SB Nation Investigates. I'm your host, Richard Johnson. Between the two of you, where does the business savvy really come from in the family? 
LaVar ain't never been in no business school. I graduated from the top of my class at Stanford Business School. Is that some credentials for you? I ain't done just yet. I got numerous business ventures in Chino Hills, baby. I got a used car dealership where we sell nothing but bigger baller cars. I'm talking about Benz, Beamer, Bentley. Nothing but bigger baller cars. And I also got a surf shop right by the beach. Okay, you better catch this wave. Because in my business ventures, I'm undefeated. Never lost. Okay, so you are something of a Chino Hills business mogul, would you say? Yes, sir. You've heard about that hill before? Absolutely. The hill that Lonzo run up? Absolutely. The hill that LaVar said Lonzo run up? His big ass was drinking lemonade down at the hill when I had Lonzo running those prints. Taking the credit again. Running off with my sauce. I can understand my brother being jealous of me. Who ain't jealous of the biggest ball in the room? I could be MJ, like I said earlier. I could be Magic. If it wasn't for my bad ACL, that is. So it was a knee issue? Let's let's go back there. What happened? Uh, kind of take me through that injury. Well, as I was going through my Stanford Business School, I was also on the hoop team. So what you're saying is that while you were at Stanford Business School pursuing your MBA, you were also pursuing the NBA? Well, like I said, I've been preaching this for years. I wanted to be the best player in the league. But if it wasn't for my knee, who knows? Was it difficult for you? as Lonzo rose from being a prized basketball recruit to all the success that he had at UCLA, and now, obviously, the draft process. Was it difficult for you to sit idly by and watch? It, it was hard. It was hard. I can only imagine. It was, it was hard. Sir, I just want to say to you, I admire your courage. I appreciate that, Richard. I really do. And I do want to ask, as, as Lonzo goes to the NBA, and the other two brothers begin to matriculate through college basketball. Will you take a more prominent role in the family? Well, that's not on me, that's on LeVar. Them boys got my number. They know I got nothing but love for them. I just ain't seen them in a minute. But we talk, got nothing but love for them boys. Who's gonna give up a lottery pick for Courtney Lee? Who is going oh, to give up years. a lottery pick? We're on the air. We are on the air. Oh, man. <laughs> I like how you, you jumped in there with that thought, though, because, listen, I want to get Ricky O'Donnell back in the studio to discuss the Bulls pick at number seven, but until he gets here... His face was red. Until he gets here, we have a Neymar jersey and a Chris... Chris Tapps is still a New York Nick? New York Nick. I'm not, apprised, I'm not aware of any changes, Chris but... Chris Tapps is a New York Nick. I was uh, ready. To my knowledge, Frank Nilakina is a New York Knickerbocker. Uh, French Frank, and somebody you were at peace with very publicly, yeah. like Frank, Malik, whoever. Yeah, that's fine. Christian, yeah, we no. have two Knicks fans here. I was good with either one of those three, honestly. At peace, so. Frank Nilakina. Yeah. yeah, the Knicks needed a point guard, and they are one of the or were one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA, mm -hmm. so a point guard who's good at defense. Like a seven-foot wingspan, yeah. With, yeah, arms as long as two of our bodies mm -hmm. on top of each other. Uh, that's, anyway, <laughs> uh, Fits. I think he is projected by a lot of people to be not quite as talented offensively as some of the guys around him, like Malik Monk right. or like Dennis Smith. And I think in his rookie year, he's going to look a lot worse than those guys. But he's built like a really good basketball player. Yeah. Christian, your reaction? I'm I'm happy with this one. You know, he has he has really long arms. He can play really he can play defense pretty well. Right. Um, some people are comparing him to kind of like the George Hill mold i'm not the biggest fan of george hill he's but, fluid but he's not explosive yeah right. yeah but this guy plays really really good defense i do feel bad for the knicks announcer because it was between neil akina hernan gomez porzingis and kuzminskis <laughs> that's not the knicks definitely lead the league in syllables yeah <laughs> no for sure it's but, something it's a building block yeah but i i do like this pick um i do think that if the knicks are going to go forward with the triangle he's a good
good fit. He can mm-hmm. kind of shoot. He can manage the game. He can play good defense. And I think it's a really good selection. So structure. very young. Uh, the Knicks are not in the worst place right now. It's a, it's a piece. And they needed that. They needed a piece. Um, You still think the Knicks need to get back into the first round? I I mean, as Christian was saying, uh, it's not easy to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think that the Knicks are in a position right now with a couple of veterans on perfectly fine contracts who I think could be traded for another first rounder. Right. Uh, You know, I don't see why the Pistons wouldn't be interested in someone like Courtney Lee. Or Joakim Noah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, good luck. Good luck. Uh, But, yeah, because guys that they like, guys that we all like, Malik Monk, you know, if he falls a little bit, uh, Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. it would be really nice <laughs> to grab another pick, but sure. I, know I can't have everything. All right, fair enough. Um, let's take a look real quick because the Bulls have selected Laurie Markkinen, oh. and we had a very specific challenge with seven feet of pizza. Could our team what? of four... Uh, hungry eater boys um, <laughs> eat 14 feet or 7 feet of Lori Markkinen pizza. Could they finish because he's finished uh, that Ooh. pizza before Lori Markkinen was off the board? Let's take a look in at that and I really I dem- if Ricky O'Donnell is oh. around, let's get him in here. Um, how you guys doing? Oh, I need help. <laughs> Literally, I need, need help. help. We need some Pepto-Bismol. Like, it's Pepto-Bismol. It's tough in here. It's been tough sledding. I would like to point out, though, that there's one side of the table that has at least... Bruh, you are putting on, man. There's one you side of the table that has done well here. On. The other side of the table is poor. I'm Joe just from there. spat pizza all over me. <laughs> Sorry. I'm on It's like this it's maybe like the third worst thing that's happening here. Like I um. am I am slowed down. Like it's about to be nap squad. Yeah, I need we got a nap. vlogs yeah, to get off. I, I just need pillows and blankets. This was a bad idea. Um, yeah, take and one it ended blankets. poorly. Take one of those. <laughs> Shout out to you, though, Lori. Yay! I'm happy with you, baby. Oh, they are not. All right. Bulls. We're coming back here because we have Ricky. You want Ricky, do you want to go over to Tyler with a microphone? Oh, you belong over there. Not that you're it's trash. Just, no, but if, if you want to talk about trashy things, and you guys just share a microphone here. Seth and Christian, you're just going to share that microphone. Um, so... I don't know if, if you've calmed down at all after the, the no, trade. I'm going to be very upset for a long time. <laughs> no, that's okay. We want that raw emotion on the show. So I say we jumped ahead to Frank Nilakina because we have a couple Knicks people here. But Lori Markin has been selected uh, by the Chicago Bulls with the pick that they received from the Minnesota Timberwolves in the Jimmy Butler trade. Do you feel any better about the Jimmy Butler trade now that you have a seven-footer who can hit threes? No, I feel worse. (laughs) This is what the Bulls do. They make one mistake, and they find a way to compound the mistake by making a bad trade for a similar player. They did this uh, right now with, like, marketing because he would be the Nikola Miritich replacement. That's who you wanted, sort of the idea of a stretch four. Miritich was a big disappointment. Right. Now they're trading up. To get Markin in, which is fine. He's a seven-foot pure shooter. However, the players who are going behind him in this draft, if you're trading up, give me Dennis Smith. Give me Malik right. Monk. Instead, they're stuck with Zach Levine and his torn ACL. They're stuck with Chris Dunn, who's just bad. And they have no future picks, and they gave up the 16th pick. I mean, they just make one mistake. They compound that mistake, and they learn nothing. They just never learn anything. They're big idiots. And they're trash. <laughs> okay, so let's get to Tyler momentarily. I want to say... What else am I going to say? In a vacuum. I know. You just out-trashed Tyler. Do you realize how difficult that is? What, what, what else would I say besides that? Um, I mean, Laurie Markkinen got a chest that feel like Wonder Bread. So, I mean, <laughs> he's definitely trash. So I like Laurie Markkinen. In a vacuum, I don't think he's a great fit for the Bulls and what they needed going in, especially without Jimmy Butler. But um, he can hit threes, but... 
Is that what the Bulls need right now, Ricky? Here's the thing. They do need shooting for sure. I think right. that Markkanen and Robin Lopez, theoretically pretty good front court. Robin Lopez is yeah. like a bruiser. Markkanen can really shoot. He's seven feet tall. He's a pure shooter. Right. No doubt about that. Very quick release, deep range. But it's like Markkanen is totally a one-trick pony. And the NBA has moved towards wanting more versatility. Multiple That's trick why ponies. I, he wasn't available. But someone like Jonathan Isaac is just absolutely a superior right. talent to marketing because he can impact the game in a lot more ways. Marketing can't rebound. He can't play defense, can't block shots. He's not going to beat anyone off the dribble, certainly. He's a catch-and-shoot guy who can maybe run off screens a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, he can do one thing, that shoot. Now, yes, the Bulls desperately needed shooters, especially last year after they had Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler in the backcourt. Right. Uh, but I don't want a one-trick pony. I want someone with a diverse skill set who could do a few other things. I would have liked Dennis Smith with this pick. I would have liked Malik Monk with this pick. Instead, just marking in, shooting into the sadness of the current Chicago Bulls situation. <laughs> Too long to Again, Tyler, anything to add? I mean, like, he trash. Like, it's nothing <laughs> like... I mean, he played for an okay Arizona team, and, like, we were supposed to get fake hype about him because he was supposed to be the next Chris Stapps, but he's a diet Chris Stapps, which means, like, <laughs> what, what I'm supposed to do with that, you know what I mean? My man's is kind of frail in the chest area and the merm bubble, so I can't, I can't do nothing with him. He's real, real trash. Like, he's, he's real lemon booty for me. Okay, fair enough. Ricky, thank you for your trash time. Um, I, I really hope you the best night possible I moving hope forward. Trash. I hope you trash. Bulls are idiots. Bulls yeah. not looking great. All right, let's get back to the, the Knicks people over here and Frank Nilakina. Thank you very much. An unscripted appearance from right. Ricky O'Donnell. We, we wish you nothing really but the best. I mean, um, they basically drafted Mark Madsen, so I don't even know what's does, going on right now. That's so mean. So does, okay, the Frank Nilakina pick. Let's yes. go more positive. Okay. Does it mean anything for Chris Stapps' future with the team tonight, this week? Any any sort of movement becomes negated by Frank? Any Does it affect anything? I wouldn't say that picking Neil Aquina changed whether Chris Stapps was still a Nick or not, but I do think the fact that they didn't move him before the draft signifies that he's not going anywhere. I, I would like to think that it was just kind of Phil trying to send Chris Stapps a message like, hey, I'm in charge. You're not going to go around and miss my meetings or whatever right. his, his problem yeah, meeting, was. Yeah. But um, I, I like the pick, honestly. Um, I think Chris Stapps is going to be here. I think they need to move on from Carmelo. You know, what's happened has happened his time, like he said. And um, I, I think Neil Aquino was the right way to go. Do you think this means anything for the future of, and I know the triangle is the big talking point. This is the, We're running the triangle. We're doing the triangle. And Frank is a nice fit for the triangle, at least on paper right now. We have no idea. But what is what does this say about maybe the style that they're going to be playing with? That you know they're they're more European, they're more international. Does it is it going to be a more entertaining brand of basketball, or is it just an adding a nice piece to a broken system? Yeah, I think. Certainly some people would defend Neil Kina as just the best player available. I think a lot of people wouldn't, okay. just based on the way Dennis Smith played in college and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. played in college and guys like that, Donovan Mitchell also. But every indication we've been given is that Phil Jackson and Jeff Hornacek, whether on the same page or and- not, are pushing the Knicks more toward a fundamental elementary triangle. And, you know, every every... Prospect who worked out with the Knicks came away saying, yeah, they uh, really, really like the triangle there. Mm-hmm. And Nilakina is the only one of them who was like, yeah, I, I like the triangle. I, uh, I'm into it. And maybe that's just because he hasn't been watching the Knicks for a while. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, he was a pretty good shooter in France. Mm-hmm. He's big. <laughs> You're searching. So, yeah. Here's the thing that I'm taking away. The Knicks are clearly not the most depressed fan base in the top ten. The Chicago Bulls no. fan base... 
probably has a better case in this moment. As of 10 minutes ago, yeah, that, that okay. changed. Okay, fair enough. Um, and I'm going to stay, I'm going to go from Seth to Seth because we're going to take a look at the next part of the Guy Fieri NBA draft night pick or boy band member real up close and uncomfortable. It was really hard. There's another Seth. When it was like 10 feet away, it looked like Donald Trump's face, and now it looks like an ear. Well, oh, oh, it's an ear? Oh, it is an ear. It's, it's an, an ear, earring. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's Dirk Nowitzki. I think you're right. Yup. So I know I that ear recognize anywhere. recognize that ear anywhere. Oh, my God. I don't know what body part I'm looking at right now. <laughs> this is also someone's ear. <laughs> I think that's boy band. Boy band? I don't know. I, I just, it I think feels it... like boy band. Like, the one wearing the weird suit. Boy band? Sure. Boy band. Jason Kidd. Wow, nice tie, man. I like it. As a suit, that would have been bad. As a tie, it's pretty cool. Um, All right. So we've been given this because it looks exactly like Guy Fieri's now. <laughs> I think this could be a trick. I think this could be like Joey Fatone or something. Yeah. Any guess? But that looks exactly like Guy Fieri. Yeah, I don't know who else it could be. No NBA we, player has ever looked this? like that. I don't know. I think we're overthinking it. Okay. That has to be Guy. It's Guy. It's Guy. It's Guy. It is Guy. Okay. Thank God. That would If that was like, oh my God, it's actually the Kembe Mutombo, that would have like ruined my day. Oh, this is a fancy okay. suit. See, this feels like a trick. I know there hasn't been like a good trick yet, but this is the suit. <laughs> but this is the one. <laughs> this is the suit that like 19 people wore to the NBA draft a year or two ago. So I want to say it's not. That feels Guy. NBA. Oh my God. The guy would never wear a skinny tie though. <laughs> or a tie clip. You know, he's, he's eating his flavor top nachos and that tie is getting all over it. The clip is useful because you can pin your tie to your shoulder while you're getting like oh, donkey sauce all over your shirt. I, I want to say NBA. All right. I will, with some chagrin, say NBA draft, but I don't think I'm it. scared. Oh, it's Kristaps! <gasps> yeah, that is the year everyone Come on, that Zach. You should have recognized Chris it. Dad, please stay on the next. <laughs> please. Still here with Seth and Christian. No, it's it's Tim Cato and back to Whitney. Um, the Dallas Mavericks, of course. Are you from Dallas? I am. You're from Dallas originally? I am, yes. Just making sure, because you live in Dallas, you cover the Mavs, you cover all sorts of NBA fun, especially down in the Southwest. The Mavs have selected Dennis Smith. They have. How do you feel about this? What is your instant reaction to a very energetic, very angry, and the best possible way point guard? Yeah, no. Basically what Ricky was, I'm the opposite right now. <laughs> okay. Because Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith is my guy. That, that's the person who I've been saying this whole time that I, I think makes the most sense for them. Why? Um, he's, he's able to be a pick-and-roll point guard, which is going to mm-hmm. make a lot of sense uh, just in the, the offense that the Mavericks have. Um, you know, he's, he's a little bit older than, uh, than Neil Aquina, who I, who I also liked, but... Uh, I, I like that he's a little bit older. He fits their timeline better because as long as Dirk Nowitzki is still on the roster and uh, for a season or two, uh, he's still going to be on that roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, you owe it to him to keep trying to win and, and keep gunning for the playoffs. Um, so, so I think Dennis Smith fits that. You know, he can he can go right away. Uh, he he's, he might be the starting point guard day one. We'll see how that goes. But you know, if if he is, I think Mavericks the Mavericks will be happy with that. And then, uh, you know, he just he just fits their offense. He fits fits their style. Um, you know, he's he's a uh, you know he he was in college. His college season wasn't great, but um, he 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 can run run the pick and roll, and uh, he he's just going to be great in in the kind of spread modern look that uh, Rick Carlisle Rick Carlisle likes to run. And they become deeper in the backcourt. Obviously, Dallas developing both uh, Seth Curry and Yogi Ferrell last year. Um, 
Rick Carlisle is a coach developing point guards. Has a really nice track history here. So how long will it take Dennis Smith, do you think, to sort of realize his potential, maybe become more consistent defensively, maybe look for a shot a little bit in a wiser way offensively? Uh, how long do you see this timeline taking? He's he's good at it. He's also hard on point guards, and, right. and I think this is why he's good. But but he is very hard on with point the clash guards. with Rondo. Yeah. Yes, the, the the Rondo one. Uh, Darren Collison had a, had a tough time here. But but I think usually, and, and it, it mostly stems from Rick himself. When he was a player, he was a point guard. Yes. Um. So that's that's the player he relates the most with. Um. And, and so so he uh, I, I think that he's the right type of coach. Um. If if Dennis goes in with the with the right mindset, and and you know I, I would certainly hope so. Um. You know. You can you can look at a season which was you know basically a wasted one at, at NC State and you know that's that's a tough situation for him to be in all around. But but I do think that you know he's certainly the the skills are there and the tools and, and all we all all you have to ask for him is, is to go in with an open mind. Um, you, you know be molded by the by the veterans that are around him. Um, and then just do do his game, you know, play his game, be be the be the guy that he, the, that they draft him to be. And fair enough, um, you can do that. Whitney, has there been, because I haven't seen this, the particulars of the reports, has there been any update with Paul George and any sort of trade? Because I'm not breaking a Paul George trade right now, but there has been some trades in the, in the past couple of minutes that we'll get to momentarily. But what is the latest with Paul George, if anything? I just want to first say that the Pacers also let go of Rick Carlisle. So they True. lose everything that's good. I just mm-hmm. want to throw that out there. Um, Vogel, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Thank really you very much. Yeah. I love Rick. All the good things go. Um, no, there hasn't been an update yet uh, with Paul George. Um, I think but it looks like if there is a destination in Boston. Yeah, it might be Boston. Okay. Um, uh, Woj, I think the last thing Woj said was that they were still talking, hadn't come to a real agreement yet, but we're still, I don't, I don't think they had stopped talking, let's say that. Right. Still trying to figure it out. How do you think potentially Paul George in Boston, if it does work out, what the, what the fit is like there? I think Brad Stevens is a genius. He's from Indiana, so obviously. <laughs> Must be. Obviously I'm a fan. Yeah. Um, I think that as much as I love Paul George and um, – have supported him through this whole ride. I don't think he's a number one guy. Okay. So I think wherever he goes where he doesn't have to be the number one, he's going to be a lot better. I think um, if Brad Stevens can get him in some catch-and-shoot situations, I think he gets really good really fast. Mm-hmm. And um, got if, more, A lot more versatile defensively yeah, with absolutely. his range there, yeah. And um, if, you know, it, say he goes to the Celtics, the Celtics are really good. They challenge LeBron, like, I'm going to be really upset in Paul George if he, you know, has to leave for the Lakers and and doesn't want to stay with a team that's going to be that good already. So. And we were going to talk Sacramento, but Sacramento has made a trade. We're going to get to that momentarily, but we're going to go back. That's the suspense. You don't. You don't. Okay. I'll tell you right now. uh, Portland has moved up to number ten. It was for the numbers fifteen and twenty pick uh, with Sacramento, and they have selected. This is not Sacramento. This is Portland. Perhaps the most Portland player possible. Zach Collins oh. has gone to Portland. He's not Myers Leonard, but he might be Myers Leonard. <laughs> Zach Collins, and with that, Tyler the Grouch. But. Zach Collins, number ten to Portland. I mean, y'all keep picking these like Plumlee-esque players <laughs> and everything. You know, what I mean, I just don't understand why why you want this young man who's about as big as I am. You know, what I mean, to play basketball as a, Zach Collins as a is seven player. feet tall. Yeah, but we both won 65, so I just don't understand. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Zach Collins didn't really show me anything in the NCAA tournament. I always kind of thought he was trash, but Dan thought he was cool. But, you That's know, true. if I was picking between, like, Tim Cato's boots and Zach Collins' game, I'd probably pick Zach Collins to be more trash than Tim Cato's boots, but they're both trash in their own right. Mm. So 
It would have seemed that if Portland was going to take a big, it would have been somebody that to complement Nurkic a little bit more, maybe move to the outside, somebody who could stretch a little bit more. Zach Collins is not that kind of player. So Zach Collins may be a more traditional big, polished, has post moves, plays really well defensively. But when you look at what Portland needed against Golden State in the first round, that would be players who can switch and play defense against tremendous players. That's what every playoff team in the Western Conference needs against Golden State. Zach Collins moves there. Uh, do either of you feel like Portland is demonstrably better? Can they beat Golden State twice now that they have Zach Collins? Not even this year. Let, forget rookie Zach Collins. Let's talk about 2019 Portland. Are they demonstrably more interesting, better, more powerful? Mm, uh, okay, that's a good answer. Yeah, that's a good mm, answer. Here's... I like I like Zach. I think yeah. I think he's he's a he's a nice kid. The the one thing he does is that he's a he's not bad defensively, and that's that's what sets him apart that's from true. a lot of the pe- these people. He can, he can move his feet in the pick and roll, you know, playing defense and, and stuff like that. So he is a rim um, protector. Mm-hmm. He is he is a nice May, maybe a shooter. We'll have to see. Tim essentially called him a nice date for like junior <laughs> prom. Like what? what? All right, like he a nice kid. He's still trash. Wow. <laughs> I'm still this. I think Zach Collins is good, but I don't think he's a top ten pick. I don't see that. He surely ain't. He's not marriage material. He is not like I know. He's he's the he's the one you date for a couple years, and that that's when you kind of get your life together. He's real good at that. Piece is trash too because Portland moved up to not get Malik Monk. That's true. Like okay, we have Malik Monk falling now out of the top ten. I moved up to get Zach Collins and not maybe the best pure scorer in the college. But Malik Monk, I I could respect your opinion more if you didn't have that hat on right now. (laughs) I respect you more if you had them boots on. (laughs) (laughs) I respect Tyler more. Because of that. So Malik Monk obviously is not a fit for Portland. The Portland, if there's anything Portland does not need, it is a combo guard, right? Correct. So but don't that didn't make sense. Malik Monk. <laughs> but yes, Malik Monk is quite fun. So what do you think about this move for Sacramento? So this is a team that has a lot of young talent. They now trade down and get more picks. So they have number 15, number 20 in a particularly deep draft. So they have pieces, and maybe they're going to sort of leverage them to make a deal. Maybe they're going. Maybe they just love a couple players deeper into this draft. What do you think of the move from Sacramento? The only Kings fan I know uh, at SB Nation was Tom Ziller, and he's now not a Kings fan anymore. So okay, I think that fair. says a lot about where they are as a uh, as a franchise right now. Our um, director Alex Holly is a Kings fan. You can't see him, but he is hurting a little bit right in here. Nice, nice to meet you, Holly. I I, I did not realize that. Um, that would make sense, though. Yeah, explains trash, a lot. Though. He seems Sacramento-y to you? We're gonna, you can't see him, so it doesn't make a difference. But we do have a guide to Sacramento. Whoever ends up at number 15 and 20, Darren Fox is already there. Hopefully somebody ends up in Sacramento that can contribute and help that winning culture if it ever begins to exist. But we do it's have... Culture. It's a culture in the way that it's Petri not, dishes not have... Way. Right, exactly. Uh, Matt Alford has your guide to Sacramento. Welcome to California, the Sunshine State, a bastion of tech and entertainment with natural beauty galore and the best beaches on the West Coast. And you're going to be in the capital of all that, Sacktown, sexy Sacramento. Trust me, you don't get to be the state capital unless you're the coolest and most cosmopolitan city in the state. Just ask Albany or Harrisburg or Olympia. In Sacramento, you'll get your choice of fruit-themed festivals like Berry Fest and the Pear Fair. And while the Kings are the hottest sports ticket in town, don't overlook the passion Sacramentans have for the AAA Rivercats. And who can forget 
the third hottest rivalry in FCS football, the Causeway Classic between UC Davis and Sac State. It's named after the YOLO Causeway that separates the two schools. Welcome to Sacramento. YOLO, indeed. So we are back with star of the show, Ricky O'Donnell, and co-star Dan Rubenstein, co-star Matt Ellentuck. Welcome, Matt, who just happened to be in New York. We're like, come on by. We got the Pistons and Hornets to talk about. So, okay, we have Zach Collins. We went over some strong opinions with Zach Collins. Did you agree with them that the trashiness that was spoken of Zach Collins as a top 10 pick with Malik Monk falling out of the top 10? Or do you feel like there is a fit with Portland? Well, it's like, what do the Blazers need Malik Monk for when they already have C.J. McCollum, they already right. have Damian Lillard? It would be really silly for them to take another 6-3 offense-only guard. Uh, I think Zach Collins is a pretty good player. I mean, I have to say, I really grew to respect his game throughout the NCAA tournament. He was arguably Gonzaga's you know, number one guy throughout their run to the national championship game. Yep. If he doesn't get in foul trouble in the national title game against North Carolina, I think Gonzaga wins that game. That's how dominant he was on both ends of the floor. So I'm not going to trash Portland for that pick because I think that Collins is a good guy. He just doesn't have the ceiling, I think, that you would typically expect from a top 10, 10 overall yeah. selection. Uh, but in the end, you know, he gives them a different dimension that they didn't have with Yusuf Nurkic. He's got a little more shooting range. I think he has even a little more quickness and athleticism than Nurkic. So, uh, not a terrible trade for Portland. I think that, you know, they had three first-round picks, give up two of them, get Zach Collins. That's cool. Fair enough. Uh, either of you can answer this. Best players that are still available to be taken in the lottery. Are there any players that, I mean, Tyler obviously feels a lot of passion for Malik Monk, rightfully so. He, can, he is just bucket gathering. That's what Malik Monk does, and it's impressive. Any other players that you feel like, in the lottery specifically, absolutely deserve to be taken sooner rather than later? Uh, well, no, I guess you're right. I guess, you know, Monk feels... It feels like Monk should probably go around now. You know, he is that sort of one-dimensional player where he's only probably going to be scoring. And even at that, is he going to be able to do it at the same rate he did in college with NBA right. hands in his face rather than than college hands in his face? Um, otherwise, I mean, the draft has really played out, I guess, how how we pretty much thought it would at this point. Um, yeah, I want to name Donovan Mitchell, too. Donovan it's Mitchell. Like Donovan Mitchell. Malik yep. Monk and Donovan Mitchell. I'm just thinking the, the Hornets are on the clock next. If they compare Malik Monk with Kemba Walker, that's pretty dope backcourt right there. I think finally Michael Jordan will draft a player, Malik Monk, if this happens. I guess we don't know yet. That's, oh, Michael, please draft So, so my theory. <laughs> please. My, so, you, so Malik Monk, and Kemba, can we talk about Dwight Howard. <laughs> yeah. My theory on this is yeah, that what's your theory? Jordan typically only drafts players he knows he can beat one on one. Should he have to play them? In I practice? think I'm taking Malik Monk. Okay, Monk, Why yes, but Jordan could take Frank Kaminsky. Jordan yes. could take uh, who, who they take? Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yep. So finally, Jordan will might have to suck. To might player. possibly do it. He would lose too. Um, yeah, the, it, when you look at the bottom of the teens in the in the round right now, it seems like there's a lot of really good one-dimensional type guys. There's, you know, a big guy who can shoot and like Justin Patton or somebody like that that, you know, defensively isn't there. Or Bam Adebayo who, you know, is an unbelievable offensive rebounder and could be from day 1 for a team. But you're now dealing with sort of singular dimensions at this point. So, is there somebody in that vein that you're like this guy has an NBA skill, he's not a complete player, but this skill is something that that sets him apart? Where do you have John Collins, Ricky? Yeah, John Collins, I think, is an interesting Mr. PER. example of that. Yeah. He literally led the country in PER. This dude just put up Wilt Chamberlain numbers yep. at Wake Forest. Uh, to be honest, he reminds me a bit of Venus Cantor, though, because he's a monster rebounder. He's a great interior scorer, super high field goal percentage. But it's like he's not going to block shots. He can't defend in space, and he has no shooting range. So he sort of gets pigeonholed a bit. It's like if John Collins was in this draft, let's say 10 years ago, mm -hmm. I think John Collins is like for sure top 10 top, pick. Yeah. He goes in that 10 spot 
over Zach, Zach Collins. Collins. If not sooner than that, like John Collins is a workhorse. And I do think that despite his warts, he will still have a productive career because there'll always be a spot for a rebounder, especially on the offensive end. There'll always be a spot for an interior scorer. I just don't think his ceiling is all that high because of his defensive limitations and his shooting range limitations. Uh, and I want to go back to Donovan Mitchell because he yes. has been, I've been on the bandwagon for two years mm-hmm. as, you know, the college basketball dude at SB Nation. He reminds me quite a bit of Avery Bradley, six foot three, six ten wingspan. He's a two guard. He could defend either spot, the point or the two uh shot 37 percent from three this year so the three-point shot came around a little bit for him i just feel like if he gets paired with a non-traditional ball handler like ben simmons like Giannis Antetokounmpo, like jimmy butler if he goes to you know a team that finds a player like that right that's where he'll really be thriving he can, he can excel sort of play point guard on defense off the ball on offense and i think his athleticism 40 inch vertical that's going to translate right away. His defense, athleticism will translate, and then his offensive skill set sort of catch up with it. I have. I wish I had one of those comically large trumpets to make this announcement, but Malik Monk is a Charlotte Hornet. Malik Monk joins Kemba Walker in that backcourt. I love that. Yeah, that's going to be, be really fun. That is Except going to be insanely fun. No, that's um, cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with the, to the King of Trash because the King of Trash is also the king of the Malik Monk fan club. Um, he rides for Bentonville, Arkansas, like nobody I've ever <laughs> seen. Oh, Arkansas. What are your feelings about Malik Monk now? Is there anything? Is there a trash potential in Charlotte? Well, you know, Dan, Michael Jordan hasn't done anything for race relations in this country, but he did something for his backcourt. <laughs> That's so, true. That is true. I'm not, I'm not super wow. mad at Mike for this one. I want to learn how to dress better, but with Mike, <laughs> it's always trash potential because he's a trash dude with some trash clothing options, some trash life choices. So. I mean, I won't say this pick is trash, but I will say the dude behind it is trash. So equal opportunity trashness here. Okay, fair. Can we take a look just real quick at the pizza and how much of it is left? I want to see the pizza and see. So, okay, no, I'm, I'm being told the pizza is done. I, they did not finish the pizza. I think the pizza room is done because Laurie Markkinen is gone. Um, I do like the pick a lot. Malik Monk has the, at the very least entertainment factor from day one. Yeah, I wrote about Malik Monk uh, on estimation.com in the run-up to this draft. I think he could be more than just a great shooter. So, like, if you're looking for a comparison for Monk, I'm thinking, like, Eric Gordon or, like, faster C.J. McCollum, maybe without the craftiness. Okay. Uh, How about J.J. Redick, but super fast? I was going to say— That sounds like a good player. And I also think that he has some sneaky ability potential— to be a creator. Yes. He, he was playing next to Darren Fox, didn't get to handle the ball a lot at Kentucky. When he did get a chance to run some pick and rolls and stuff, he threw some nice passes. I really think that his passing ability, people are sleeping on it a little bit. And also, when he was a recruit, he was mostly known as an athlete. Right. Then he came into Kentucky and he was a shooter. So this dude is a fantastic A-plus athlete. I think he's going to be great in transition yep. for the Hornets. He'll give them uh, you know, just an element of speed that they lacked before. And we know he's one of the best shooters in this class. When he catches fire, him and Kemba are going to be very tough to defend. Yeah, I was going to say, his reputation is such of just like a shooter, a scorer, somebody with a quick release. But he attacks the rim in an insanely impressive way. He was on a Kentucky team with a ton of stars, and he was the clear alpha. So Malik Monk makes a ton of sense for Charlotte as they become a little bit better defined, I would say. Does that sound right to you, Tyler? Malik Monk was a dude who had top five talent in this draft. Like to me, Why do you think he fell? I don't, I don't know why it fell. I know he did. I mean, there were some reports that he did poorly in some of his draft workouts. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't care. Charlotte got a great pick and some great value at 11. 
But, again, Malik Monk had, to me, some top five talent in this draft. And I think Ricky's right. He's not just a one-dimensional shooter. This guy was an athlete that was flying above the rim at Peach Jam years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, he's going to be a great talent. And maybe we might see some young Ray Allen out of him when Ray Allen's, when Ray Allen's wow. moving above the rim. I'm real That's super, true. People super, do forget. super high on Malik Monk. But I know Ricky is going to be trash about it, so it's fine. You no, know, I like Malik Monk. And what I just want to say more than anything about Malik yeah. Monk He's just fun to watch him play basketball. Yeah. It's just like a cool dude to watch play basketball, uh, which is what I would say about Kemba Walker as well. So, like, you know, so many times people like us, we get so bogged down with their flaws. Well, Malik Monk doesn't have ideal length for a two-guard. He right. doesn't have the size. doesn't have the handle. Uh, it's just cool to watch Ball Malik keeps Monk going play in. basketball. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. I love Malik Monk. This is true. We're going to get to the next pick. We're going to get to Detroit's pick momentarily. But it's been too many picks since Lonzo Ball was taken. we got to go back to the man that we are giving rightful credit for developing Lonzo Ball, and that is secret relative. Lamar Ball. Welcome back to SB Nation Investigates. Again, I am your host, Richard Johnson. Is there room in the Ball Empire for Lavar and Lamar to come together as patriarchs? Well, I'm gonna cut you off right there, Richard. I went to business school, okay? This word patriarch, I ain't studying no literature. What is a patriarch? I'm gonna take that as disrespect, okay? I have no idea what you just said to me. Sir, I mean absolutely no disrespect. Okay, I'm just making sure now. The question is in regards to the two of you. Could the two of you come together to shepherd this business and create the biggest baller brand? Once again, that's on LeVar. That's all on LeVar. This is another reason why I came up here. I want to put that public pressure on him to squash this beat, okay? And if we squashed it, Ain't no telling what we can do. The biggest baller brand? Huh. They got a little ring to it, Richard. Biggest baller brand. Woo! At the end of the day, what do you say to the detractors of the ball family? Well, first of all, I think all of them are haters. And what they need to do is stay in their lane, okay? Because what goes on behind closed doors? LeVar got a big mouth. Yeah, he yap, yap, yap. But he, he's still a good dad. He been there for those kids, not in the gym with him. He wasn't shooting in the gym with him like Lamar, like I was, Uncle Lamar. They need to stay away from my family. Ain't nothing but some haters, okay? And like I said, they need to stay in their lane. What's one thing you'd want to say to them, your brother and your nephew? Well, let me start off with my nephew. Zoe, I just want to tell him I love him. He know what we've been through, running up that hill, working on that pretty jump shot. We've been through it all. And to my brother LeVar, for the final time, I'm just here to squash it, baby. We could be the biggest ballers. You said biggest ballers, right, Richard? Biggest ballers. You hear that, LeVar? Biggest baller brand. And that's all I want to tell LeVar. I love my family. I said I love Zoe, Mello, Jello, and the rest of the balls. Lamar, I'd like to thank you so much. No, thank you. For coming on this program tonight. Thank you. Lamar Ball, Richard Johnson. This has been SB Nation Investigates. Thank you for joining us. We've got another dookie. I promise I'll never say that ever again. I promise. <laughs> I am so sorry for doing that. Um, Luke Kennard off the board is a Detroit Piston. Um, I, I think say pretty clearly, or there's a, a good argument to be made, the most consistent shooter in the draft, lefty from Duke. Matt, uh, how do you evaluate his game? How do you evaluate the pick to Detroit? Does it feel like the right spot for, for yeah. Kennard? Well, I know these guys are going to disagree with me now, but... Here we go. Um, no, I do think, you know, I think it's an interesting take because as we look at Detroit's roster, I mean, everybody in that starting lineup has been up for trade in the past few months. Yep. I, mean, I think that 
um, that roster, as it said, is going to look completely different, you know, even in a year from now. And Luke Kennard is the type of player who you can throw in at point or throw in off the ball and have, you know, a pretty good idea that he can definitely shoot. And we saw Duke, like, he's he's an alpha. You know, he can mm-hmm. create. We thought that Grayson Allen was going to be that player last year, and Luke Kennard just took the spotlight Completely from overtook him. Um, yeah, that's what I'll say is, like, heading into that season, I wrote a preseason column about Duke. Duke's a super team. They bring the super team back to college basketball. That never materialized because of Harry Giles' injury. Jason Tatum also started off the season with an injury. Marquise Bolden never really found his role. Kennard coming into the season was supposed to be Duke's seventh man. He ended up being their best player. So right. it's really hard to sit here and criticize Kennard's game, even though he does have some limitations defensively, lengthwise, I think. But, I mean, the dude's just a killer. He's a stone-cold scorer. He shot 44%. Look at Kennard's numbers compared to Tatum's numbers. Right. Kennard was much more efficient scoring the basketball, much better outside shooter with deeper range. Ice cold at the end of games. Absolutely. Just yeah. great. I mean, Kennard's fantastic. So I think that from the Pistons' perspective, Stan Van Gundy making the picks, we saw this back when he was Dwight Howard's coach for the magic uh you have the stud big man in mm-hmm. andre drummond then you just want to surround him with shooting surround him with spacing that's what they're doing with this pick with luke Kennard. he joins a very interesting wing rotation i think with contavious caldwell pope is a restricted free agent i expect him to be back right stanley johnson as well who knows what's going to happen with reggie jackson uh so the pistons they're they're following a formula they want Big man in the middle. They want shooters around him. Now it's up to Andre Drummond to sort of take that next step, which he sort of hasn't taken yet to get to that Dwight Howard level. I will say it is kind of interesting that we still have Donovan Mitchell on the board, though. And, yeah. you know, at this point, maybe that's a player who Detroit was thinking of picking right now. And uh, Mitchell certainly, you know, has more of an of an upside potential than than Luke Kennard has being, you know, with a 6'10 wingspan. And we're not, we're not really sure what we're going to get with him. Here's my question, though. Can Luke Kennard be a brick in building an effing wall? Does Stan Van still want an effing wall? And Kennard, can Kennard be that brick? I don't I, think he can. I'm not really sure he's a brick. Can. He's yeah. a window. I think he's a window he's, he's defensively. A window. Yeah, so I think that's the move right there for Detroit, that they get better shooting. He'll come off the bench. Where do you see this role uh, for Luke Kennard, Tyler? Tyler the Grouch, who I think has mixed feelings about Luke Kennard, but... Do you, do you think he can play a role? You like a couple of the pieces for Detroit. I don't get super hyped for uh, Kyle Corver Jr., but uh, that was cool and everything, watching his Duke career. It would have been dope to see him come back rather than go play for, like, I don't know, one of the most trash cities in the country in Detroit. So, wow. I mean. You let, wait for Zito to leave. Let him know. And you go in on Detroit. in his city trash. Wow. If Detroit is going to give us Zito Madu, I mean, I kind of don't want to endorse it. That's that's just cruel. That is just mean. Uh, we're tough gonna, but fair. Tough but fair. We're going to go out with some positivity with this segment, though, because we still have one segment left with Guy Fieri, boy band picture, or NBA draftee on draft night. Please. It's for Tom. I, I, no, wait, might be Kevin Love. That <laughs> might be Kevin Love. I, I don't know. I think it's Kevin Love. I, I changed my mind. Okay, I don't know. I have, no, I have no opinions on Kevin this. Kevin Love. NBA, sure. Kevin Love. It is Kevin Love! Wow. He had a very fatale. That's such a bad look. Kevin Love is such a like smooth-looking guy now, and yeah. not at the time he got drafted. Sheesh, the glow-up. Oh, hell yeah. What is the pattern? Those look like little hookahs. <laughs> I think they're like lobsters. Could be lobsters, could be... I would like to have this Martians. reprinted out in high definition. My feeling is when in doubt, go guy. That's my like... I don't... Okay, philosophy. well, I don't know if that philosophy works in this game necessarily. I, I defer. I don't know. I don't want to make the call. All right, boy band. Boy band. Yes. Boy band, nice. Mm. This is a good suit. 
Mm, it's kind of Mickey Mouse looking. For some reason, I feel pretty certain it's not Guy. It looks too like slimming and like. <laughs> yeah. It looks like we very have a little bit of shapely. I think it's a boy band. Okay, I'll say boy band, but if it's an NBA player, I'm gonna rub that in your face. Okay, fine. Yes. Boy band. I don't know what boy band. Is. I have no idea what that is. That looks like it was probably 15 years before I was born. I have a strong feeling this that is, this is Guy. This is Guy in a Quintessential kimono. Guy. Dragon flames are somewhere on this suit. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's like silk. It's like, you know, like he wears his round Yeah, he's wearing purple tinted sunglasses. Yeah, oh, this just feels so Guy. It's scary. gotta be Guy. It's Guy, of course. Oh, that's his actual, like, chef shirt. That's a good shirt. Is there a name for that, the chef shirt? Someone should wear one to the NBA draft. Yes. See, that's my trumpet. That's my trade trumpet. That's as, Wait, that's as well as I can do. Can you do it again? Can you do it again? Uh, no. This is just a game now. We have a trade, and that trade is Trey Lyles and the number 24 pick go from Utah to Denver. Utah trades up, and they grab Donovan Mitchell of Louisville. Interesting. Okay, so Donovan Mitchell, this is what we know. Avery Bradley comparisons uh, was Louisville's best offensive threat last year for a very good Louisville team. Was asked to do a lot, took some bad shots, but ultimately is super-duper talented, combo guard. Adds, uh, What does he add to Utah at this point? He adds someone that will take over for George Hill because, this, to me, this trade indicates that George Hill is not re-signing there. Why else would they move up to Ended draft pretty guard? injured, yeah. You know, I just don't think that that makes any sense. They still have Dante Exum, and who knows, but I almost wonder if they're planning for the future now. The interesting question to me is, though, what does this mean for Gordon Hayward? Right. Are they looking at this as Donovan Mitchell as a project? Are they looking at this as Donovan Mitchell's going to play? I don't know. And, you know, Trey Lyles had a really big fall from grace. Last year, yeah. he looked like he was a really talented player, looked like he would really fit in well in the modern front court, take over for Derek Favors. This year, had a shooting slump, lost time to Boris Diaw, fell out of the rotation. I still think he has some game, and he's still really young. Can be a versatile versatile defender, guard both forwards, um, but yeah, he did have kind of a sophomore slump. Does this make Utah different? So Utah presented some things that were tricky for Golden State. It's hard to say that when a team gets swept for nothing in the playoffs, but everybody's getting swept by Golden State. Is this not Cleveland? Not Cleveland, excuse me. But everybody in the West gets swept by Golden State. Does this add a different or new or just a younger dynamic that that is meaningful for Utah? First, Alex, what do you think? Does this make Utah more interesting? Uh, I think it does because, like Preda said, they are pretty likely to lose George Hill, and they were uh, they were sniffing Austin around Gordon Patrick Hayward. Beverly. Yeah, they were sniffing around Patrick Beverly. They were. Right. I mean, but this is a young. Uh, option that that can grow with their core in the years to come. So. And another team building around a centerpiece, a literal centerpiece in, in Big Rudy that, you know, if they surround him with shooters with Donovan Mitchell can be, with defense with Donovan Mitchell can be, they certainly, it seems like it plays to their identity. I mean, it certainly makes sense to me, though. It's just, why are you moving up to get a point guard if you don't think your point guard's going to leave? And, right. you know, you don't think that your star is going to stay. I mean, to me, we'll see what happens with Hayward and Hill, but, like, if you're moving up to kind of get a prospect as a point guard and you're trying to pair him with Dante Exum and it doesn't look like they're going to get a vet right now, I guess if they do, then what are you going to put Mitchell and Exum behind him? Right. I don't know. To me, this indicates that they're looking to go in a different direction. And I, I hope I'm wrong because I really like Utah playing. Right. But it seems to me that if they lose Hill and Hayward, 
then it's like it doesn't really you don't put them in the conversation with the Warriors anymore. Hopefully, this is just insurance for Exum. Wait, yeah, hold on, be a playoff team. Let's take it to the Dre map. Okay, so Utah, they lose. Let's get the Dre map up here. Utah loses, but they're in the playoffs. They certainly show things against Golden State that's impressive. Utah really took a nice step forward this year. So where is Utah starting from in this map? Can we form a consensus? Where do you think, Alex? Where would you put them? I feel like Utah's like El Salvador, maybe Panama. Somewhere somewhere down there, Central America. Central America. Yeah. I would have said like Mexico City. Mexico. Okay, so we're in Mexico City right around here. Adding a young, versatile two-way point guard or combo guard-ish in Donovan Mitchell, who physically has a lot of interesting traits. How much closer does that get? Baja California? Are we getting them to a border town, Ciudad Juarez? Where is Utah at this point? It really depends what they do with Hill and Hayward. Does this? Do they add him to Hill and Hayward? Then yeah, I think you get to maybe, you know, somewhere up northern Mexico. I don't okay. know. Next, maybe you get even as far as Albuquerque. Whoa! But into the states. But I think it's unlikely that that's the case. So if you're losing one or both of those guys, I think okay. you're going all the way down to Colombia. All the way I down think, to you know, Colombia. Look, if you lose Gordon Hayward, you might be going way further than that. Oh my God! So I mean, Utah into Medellin. Yeah. That's a that's a really big loss. Okay, what is the market then for, just speaking more broadly, for George Hill? A point guard that has a very specific identity, has succeeded with good teams. We saw him with the, Indiana, Indianapolis, eh, the Indiana Pacers. We saw him with San Antonio. We've seen him with Utah. He does shine on good teams. What is the market for somebody like him if he's healthy? Well, it's going to be interesting to see because there are a lot of free agent point guards. Mm -hmm. Like you said, uh, he's got a really good game for a contender. But there are fewer teams than you would think that need a point guard now, especially, you know, Philly took Fultz, mm -hmm. so they're off the board. Brooklyn traded for Russell, so they're not – the big payday isn't there. The team I still say look out for is, is San Antonio Spurs. George Hill returning. George Hill returning. Pop is a huge fan. Tony he Parker done with, yeah, pretty much. It's great with them. And the Spurs are trying to clear away some cap room. You know, they, they got Pau Gasol to take less money. They're talking about maybe trading Danny Green. They don't have it right. yet. They've got big Chris Paul dreams. I don't think those are there. Patty Mills is going to be expensive, yeah. Probably not staying. George Hill, I think, would be terrific there. I'd love to see him back in and, San Antonio. And Pop loves him. Like, if it were anyone yeah. other than Kawhi Leonard, he wouldn't have traded him but if if he can get him back i think would pounce on that fair enough uh the miami heat have taken bam Adebayo. bam Adebayo, who is a big time physical presence not necessarily a shot blocker not necessarily a defensive big man in the way that you'd like him to be given so, that so he's at he kentucky exactly? he's a good offensive rebound he's a good rim runner he he's aggressive you know he has the types of games where he'll just end up with like 11 and 17 in the NCAA. Well, they, and they needed a big because Hassan Whiteside is their only big under contract next year. Willie Reed could easily leave for Green right. Pastures. Um, and so, yeah, that fills that fills a really big need. Pair him with Goran, maybe, because I think he, he is probably ready in a very specific role, Bam Adebayo. I would say so, yeah. I guess if he if he can play what Willie Reed's role was. Willie Reed was pretty good, though. He's very solid, yeah. You know, pretty good backup. I just feel bad for Miami. They had Why? this great run. Mm -hmm. we, they were looking like they were going to be in the top five, mm -hmm. you know, at what are they, uh, 11 and 30, mm -hmm. right? And they do this, have this amazing totally run. Totally flip, yeah. Only, only, the, the, only the Warriors had a better point differential than them second half of the season. And it was, it was so much fun to watch because they played so hard. They had no superstars. They had the Dion Waiters experience. Mm -hmm. They had, it was really fun to watch them play. They get rewarded by missing the playoffs by one game. And now they have the 14th pick and they lose the chance to get 
I don't know. Like they could Josh Jackson in Miami. That would have been awesome. Good fit. NBA ready. Yeah. Now, because of the way our incentive structure works, they have to get the 14th pick. And we're saying, oh, it'd be great if this guy can turn into a backup center out of bio. Right. That's unfortunate. Now, maybe it'll pay off in free agency and they'll get a big fish. And in that case, great. But if not, it just kind of stinks to me that the NBA's incentive structure punishes a team like Miami for what they did and makes them move down to 14. And the big thing with Bam Adebayo, too, is it's an advantageous situation for him because Spo is very good at finding roles for players, for bringing the most out of players. Big men, obviously, Hassan Whiteside, just out of nowhere, comes along. And certainly, Bam is not Hassan Whiteside offensively, offensive polish-wise. But it's, it's a nice landing place, I would say, for Bam, especially with what Miami's looking like, as you said, in free agency, potentially. Like, I think there's, there's high upside there for a role player like Bam coming off the Better bench. be ready to run, man, because yes. he's going to get in shape yes. for Miami. This is absolutely true. Tyler the Grouch, how are you feeling about Bam? Somebody you really liked during the NCAA tournament, but certainly a tear down from the best big men in the draft. Love Bam. Think it's a good pick. He like a Tristan Thompson mixed with a Bismack Biombo mixed with like something else that's not really important. But <laughs> I like I like that mix a lot because like you said, Willie Reed's kinda, you know, out of the picture a little bit and then they don't really have too many bigs on that roster. So he's gonna be dope. He's playing with Goran, you playing with Dion a little bit, and he's gonna clean up the glass, gonna make he's gonna do a lot of like very high energy stuff. So I rock with it, you know. I think of the two, though, the better pick was what Utah just did. You know, it keeps their identity the same. You get a good defensive guy, and he can either be a one or a two. We really don't know, and you can right. play with that for the future. So Donovan Mitchell had a lot of talent, had a great second half of the season for a really, really, really trash Louisville team that we swore was going to be better. So I like the pick a lot, honestly, for Utah. I think it's probably one of the top three picks of the night. And top Utah, three, four picks of the quietly night. one of the teams that has done a good job building without tanking as well. They've no. done Sort they had a couple of. years. They had they, they had the so Dante great. Exum pick that was a top five pick, but Which they yeah, Derek Favors, Cantor. Uh, but recently, I mean, they scout really well. Right, that's good, and that's why I'm really sad if they lose Hayward and they lose Hill. Right, they built this up slowly, like every rebuilding team is supposed to, and now they're suddenly either going to be really expensive and short of the Warriors, mm-hmm. or they're going to lose their star. Fair and enough. That would that would stink. All right, we'll go to the team that traded down with Utah. That'd be the Denver Nuggets, who trade down to the end of the first round. Certainly a couple, at least, pieces in Denver to build upon later on. And whoever they end up picking, they're ending up in the Mile High City, and this is what they should know. Welcome to Denver, one of seven NBA franchises that has never made an appearance in the NBA Finals. Almost every famous nugget for the last 30 years, from Carmelo to Mutombo, has had a more notable tenure somewhere else in the NBA. But that may be coming to an end with one of the most international rosters in the league. Nikola Jokic is from Serbia, Emmanuel Mudiay is from the Congo, and Danilo Gallinari is, of course, Irish. None of that is an accident, by the way. If you take a close look at the artwork in the Denver airport, you'll see that the Nuggets have been secretly assembled by the New World Order, a secretive collection of international Freemasons who plan to rule the world after the collapse of society. Just look at the Nuggets logos. The pickaxes are a Mason's tool, and get out of Denver before it's too late! Hey everybody, it's the Super Friends. It's the Super hey. Friends that started the show. Uh, here's what has transpired since we last spoke as a, as a foursome here. Uh, Bam Adebayo is a Miami Heat member. 
Um, Elena's just been hanging out. Elena's yep. been, have you had a good night? Oh, I had a wonderful night. I did a lot of stretching and a lot of talking trash in the control room. You oh. know what's nice, too? The Pelicans didn't have a pick to mess up. I know, which they Isn't totally would have. My whole aspiration for this draft is that somehow our GM ends up calling, like, David Griffin. Oh, That's New it. Orleans, one hundred percent at like the number three pick would have taken Justin Jackson instead oh, of Josh sure. Jackson. Oh, <laughs> they sure. would have definitely put the wrong envelope like, in Tad and Silver. That's a guy, right? It's yeah, like, Jay Jackson. That's who we want. That'd have been like, no, he's a free safety. Mm-mm. That's that wrong draft. Wrong draft. <laughs> wrong draft. Um, the, it's funny because their GM for football is their GM for basketball. This is true. Not GM <laughs> is their ba- director of basketball. Oh, uh, our GM is maybe Dell Dips. Mm, Theoretically. Right. Yeah, you always want the air quotes for sure. talking. Uh, sure. The head of PR is also both those. <laughs> the head of PR for both. The Wiz did not have a pick in the opening part, but they These traded back. Picks, y'all. Uh, <laughs> those are the picks. Uh, so let's go back to James Butler. Let's go back to James we Jimmy to. Butler. We do. Um, where are your emotions? How have they evolved since we last spoke about this? I would say I've not evolved at all. Okay. So I'm very upset. I think I am potentially right now the saddest boy in New York City. <laughs> uh, it's just like classic bolts, <laughs> just bad mistake. So what is the ideal trade for Jimmy Butler? So Not, like with whom and for what? I want premium picks. I don't want the seventh pick. I don't yeah. want to give up the 16th pick. I want like future picks that are potentially the number one pick. If I'm trading Jimmy Butler, I want Markel Fultz. If I can't get Markel Fultz, I want Lonzo Ball. I don't want Laurie Markin. I don't want seven for Jimmy Butler. Right. I don't want Chris Dunn, who... Has already shown he's not a very good NBA player in his rookie season. Zach Levine, I do like his game, but he's coming off a torn ACL. I feel right. like his value is pretty low, and I certainly don't think they should have had to include the 16th pick and not get any right. future picks in that. Mm-hmm. So if what are the Bulls the trade, trying to do? Yeah, if that's the trade, why are they trading him? This is what I don't understand. Right? What's so bad about keeping him for the duration of well, his contract? I just, I just wish I had been a fly on the wall for what that conversation was like. Did they go to like Michael Jordan's steakhouse in Chicago and just be like, <laughs> sure? Throw it in there. 16, take it. That's fine. Like, what was the actual negotiation? Because it doesn't sound like it was a very, like, sincere or realistic one. Yeah, it seemed I, like, yeah, we're done. That's yeah. fine. I think the Bulls really love Chris Dunn. I don't know why. I they think loved the Bulls, him last year. Yeah. Yeah. The trade almost happened last year. Of course, do the Bulls. Do they love Chris Dunn or do they just hate Rajon Rondo that much? Well, one or the other. <laughs> I think that they probably love the idea of Laurie Markkinen because the idea of Laurie Markkinen is sort of similar to the idea of Nicole Miritich, yeah. who is also very bad. And uh, they don't have to pay now. Now they don't have to pay him. So right. They're just kicking that can down. Uh, and, you know, it's just like a just classic bull. Do you think mm-hmm. Tibbs in Minneapolis was like, no, just offer it. Trust me. <laughs> they're going to say yes to something they're, they're stupid. They're very dumb. We know they're very dumb. Yeah, I think that Tibbs played them. Yeah. It's like the Bulls chose Fred Hoiberg over Tibbs. That was a bad mistake. <laughs> and now Tibbs came and he just grabbed their best player for kind of a trash package. I don't know what Tyler thinks about that, but... Package was real trash. Package was real trash. <laughs> yeah. The trash king has spoken. The trash king has spoken. <laughs> That's the thing I like, we keep talking about, though, is that... But on the other side of that, right, it's like, how much better did the Timberwolves get? Like, I you think have they got four, way better. Have, Butler's they, awesome. no, they got better. They got better. You have four top 40 players in that team now. You have so much better wing defense, but it's like... Is the like did the team just get like a smidge better to just what get is a sw- smidge? You're to, to be a, completely wild about to be, this. To be a like smidge better, to be a smidge better, better, just to get swept in the playoffs. No, here's no, what I will no, say. No. I, now they got a lot better, but what is interesting is I don't quite know how these pieces fit. Yeah. Right. So now you have what Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins. Those are two guys that kind of need the ball in their hands. Mm-hmm. They're okay shooters. Spot up shooting's not their game. Right. As of now, you still have Ricky Rubio, and you obviously are going to try to get another point guard. That's their plan. 
But if they have him, he's not a shooter. And then are you? who's your four? Are you going to play Towns at the four and Jeng at the five? Who's making shots? Timberwolves, not a good three-point shooting team. So to me, they've got to do some more stuff yeah. to make this work. Now, you're not going to turn down Jimmy Butler as a talent, but I do think there's some interesting fit questions, and it does make you wonder, Tibbs as the exec and Tibbs as the coach, are they on a, par- a track where they are moving too fast and they're not giving this a chance to grow. I'm very curious to it's see how this June. works. It's June. To be in this position with those pieces right now, right. with an entire summer ahead of you, like, yeah, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'll like, take that situation. So I'll say this, though. Yeah. They did, I believe, cut into some of their cap space. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is a use-it-or-lose-it cap space summer. Mm-hmm. Now, what again, like, so if they get a point guard, you know, George Hill, we talked about him earlier. That's true. Might be a really good fit there yeah. now. And then, but then they still need a four unless mm-hmm. they play Butler and Wiggins, and then they get a two. Right. So what I think what Tyler is getting at, which is fair, is that they still got some work to do yeah. to get to the point where they need to get. They became yeah. a they became a good team. They became uh, they be, what is it? They became league league pass watchable. Like this is a team like I like you. I loved watching the Timberwolves last year. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna love watching them this year. But if the end goal in the West is, oh, my God, the Warriors are the super team to beat, the Spurs are a great team to beat, and these two or three or four teams are the upper echelon, do the Timberwolves become a six, a seven? Like, they become a playoff-worthy team, but is it all just to get swept? I don't know. I don't know if that's really the end goal. But Elena is kind of right. It's not a bad spot for June. I mean, look, their two best players are, like, 21 years old. So it's not like they're playing for this year. And And you're thinking about a market in the offseason where there are several big stars who are trying to get out of town or thinking about how to compete with the Warriors. There are going to be some GMs who are looking to unload some stuff. Somebody's going to do something dumb, which is my favorite (laughs) point of the NBA offseason. Here's here's what I think big picture as well. If, If it's an arms race to say we need to assemble as many top 25, 30 players as possible on our roster. Timberwolves now have two. That is a big deal. That two players that are both excellent right now at different things and don't necessarily mix and match perfectly in June, but there's two. How many teams have that? And here's the other thing, too. I think that, like, Chris Dunn, we don't even know if he's a starting caliber NBA point guard. I think exactly. that in itself is a big stretch. Mm-hmm. So you're getting rid of him. Levine, pretty good player, averaged 20 points a game, coming off a really bad injury. Yep. Has, definitely has defensive limitations. Right. And then with that seventh pick, you know, I projected Markinen to go in that spot, but I thought Jonathan Isaac was the player they ideally wanted. So there wasn't yes. a perfect fit for them available. You're trading those guys for Jimmy Butler and you get the 16th pick. To me, that's just a no-brainer trade yeah. for Minnesota. Do they have work to do? Sure. Jimmy Butler is a stud. He got better every single year. Uh, he plays both ends of the court. He sort of is that premium position everyone wants in the NBA with the two-way wing. I think it's a great trade from Minnesota for sure. So, I'll say this. Andrew Wiggins now is kind of on the clock. Yeah, yeah. I think sure. it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to Andrew Wiggins in the next couple of years. But I think that's a good thing. I think it is a good thing, too. But it will – like, they do not – Butler and Wiggins, unless they're, I think, the three and the four – I don't think it's a great match, and I don't think Butler, like Wiggins and Levine was not a great match either. Yeah, right. So I'm not. I just think former number one pick. We've seen him in the league for a couple of years. He's kind of been the same player. This now he's got another player. He's going to fade into a complimentary role. I need to see something from Andrew Wiggins next year. Otherwise, he got to go. You might need to trade him for while someone, there's value. Yeah. What for someone that fits Jimmy Butler's timeline? So I mean, it, that's the dude that has a lot of pressure on him now. I think we're wrapping up, but I will say this: Sacramento took Justin Jackson, who a little more experience was in college for a little bit and is more NBA ready in terms of his game. 
Uh, and because we have spent so much time on Minnesota, specifically Justin Patton from Creighton, not too far away, ends up uh, a really talented shooter, sort of came out of nowhere. I think he was a redshirt freshman, right? He took he's, a redshirt yeah, year? Yeah, he was a redshirt freshman at Creighton. I think Justin Patton's just sort of scratching the surface of how good he can be. He's really fast for a seven-footer, which right. is good. Uh, he showed a little bit of an ability to shoot the ball, put the ball on the floor, pass a little bit. So I like Justin Patton. I think, you know, if you're taking an upside bet on one of these young big men, he would be the guy I would take because he's still so raw, but he has shown a lot of promise in his one-year trade in last year. So that completes the pick, at least for the, the trade, excuse me, at least for the moment that Justin Patton and Jimmy Butler are now heading to uh, to Minnesota. What are the chances that Patton's better than Markin? I would say, I mean, he's going to be a better defensive player, I think. I mean, Markin's really weak on defense. I would take Markin over Patton for sure because he has a special skill with his offense. He's much more polished offensively, yeah. But I would say, what are the chances Patton's better than Markin? 20%? Yeah. Is Patton going to be better than Collins? Uh, it's certainly possible. I mean, he's fa- he's way faster. Like Justin Patton can get up and down the floor as well as any big man. Yeah. Big man, you're going to see in this class for sure. Uh, I think that's that's possible. He doesn't have the skill yet that Collins has, but you know he did make like eight of his 15 three pointers or something this year. So so did Prada. To be fair, mm-hmm. so did Prada. Prada's got no range. Now, the the three-point arc is, what, at 10 feet, right? Yeah, it's 10, 10 feet. feet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. sitting down, tiny little hoop, as we saw on Instagram Live earlier. So with that, I have to tell you, there is no better NBA team than the SB Nation NBA team. They're Woo-hoo! working through. Don't ever do that again. Uh-uh. They, are, they are working throughout the night and all of the picks. Obviously, this is just the first half of the first round, and we have the second round to go. There will be more movement. No better team is handling all of this action than the SB Nation NBA team. So follow SBA, SB Nation NBA on Twitter, on SBNation.com. They're doing a fantastic job. Thank you to all of everybody for watching and for contributing. And every It was a wonderful show. I am... I cannot imagine what the stomachs are looking like of all those pizza oh eaters or mm. pizza boys. I'm doing better than those guys. I <laughs> can say that much. You're not having a great night. Um, thank you. A special thank you to Ricky O'Donnell for slowly turning into a very bitter person at a wedding <laughs> with a microphone. Like, let me tell you something about the bride. <laughs> let me tell you something. Thanks, again. Thanks again to the city of Chicago. Thank for you for the city of Chicago. Yeah. Anything you want to finish with, Prada? I'm just... It's going to be really fascinating to see this Timberwolves team. Yep. And Paul George, is he going to get traded or not? If not, what are we waiting for? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. SB Nation NBA to find out. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Shout out, Tom Zillow. We'll see Shout you soon. Trust the yes. process. <laughs>